children to bed. It's time for Dan and Aldo to bear their souls. I love the Chicago Bears more than I do masturbating and that is a lot. Then, with three seconds left, Bob Avellini throws a 30-something yard touchdown pass to Greg Latta, and the Bears win, and I literally shit my pants. I swear to God, I literally did. <laughs> Eric Kramer, for me, I love the guy. He's a tragic figure. I mean, he embodies all that is. If they don't run the ball here, I'm going to vomit. I swear to God. I don't mean any disrespect, he just didn't play that well, not for a guy of his caliber. You know, they won, but I'm, I'm going to be miserable all week because they stunk. I don't, I don't really have any recollection of that at all, but I guess perhaps I blacked it all out. So, Dan, tape is the ultimate tool for scouts and for coaches to evaluate players, to detect plays and so forth. And they spend hours looking at tape, right? Why do they so often get shit wrong? I love the efficiency of bourbon. Ladies and gentlemen, Dan and Aldo. Welcome, everyone, to a freshly minted episode of Bear Than Souls. My name is Aldo Gandia. The handsome gentleman photographed beside me is Dan Aguirre. Dan, how are you, my friend? I am fine, but like I said before we went on, the big question is, how are you? What can you share with everyone about your post-surgery condition? Well, I would love to show you how black and blue I am around my groin area, but it would be so <laughs> repulsive that uh, we probably lose all of our uh, our watchers here on YouTube. Hello, Heidi. Hello, Frank. Hello, Tareen, J2K, BCP. Lots of people already in the chat. Um, Johnny Santucci will join us past the 9 o'clock hour. Day Nobody cares about him. No, I'm just kidding. Fuck him, right? <laughs> what <laughs> a bad our, guy he is. He's our charity case. We, <laughs> we let him hang out with us. <laughs> I hope Heidi's doing well, too, by the way. Yeah, indeed. She says that uh, the last message she sent me, you probably have talked to her since, but she told me that she's starting to help out some other people in need and you know, things are really tough. Uh, and so, you know, any more help that we can give here from the United States? She and I were talking about, I, I don't see this in the news at all. I mean, I, I, I watch about an hour and a half of news every day and read stories on the Internet. There hasn't been shit about this fucking uh, devastating storm to Mexico. It's hardly being covered. I haven't heard any of our political officials talk about it. So what is going on? Have you heard anything? Negative. Wow, that's really strange. I guess, you know, the war in, in the Middle East and everything else that's happening in America is just making it uh, sound, you know, make, making it difficult to uh, take well, care of the I don't, 
I don't want to be political so much, but we've been conditioned. I'm not blaming one side here, but we've been conditioned to view Mexicans as less than, mm -hmm. which I don't agree with. Mm -hmm. So it's like, it wouldn't help even the left politically to help Mexico, right? It's got to be some third world as, uh, as another president would call it a shithole country before you like get credit for helping. You know what yeah. I mean? Like if we help Mexico, that's not going to help Biden. So what? he's not going to do anything because it's not going to help him. Yeah. Politically, it's probably, you know, it would turn off, you know, 40% of uh, Americans, perhaps. Uh, I can't say for sure for any certainty, but that doesn't matter. You know, we, we got to. I agree. I agree with you. Yeah, so it, it's a fucked up situation. So it'll be left up to us to help Heidi and our fellow uh, southern neighbors uh, with whatever we can. There's the website on my X feed and maybe, you know, I'll find it and put it up here in case anybody wants to send a couple of bucks or whatever. Uh, C Sharp says, Mexico is not important to the U.S. media unless you're talking about the wall. wall. Mm -hmm. But the thing is, is that, you know, a lot of American television stations try to appeal to Spanish-speaking uh, uh, people and the population of Mexicans, second and third generation Mexicans here in the United States is growing and growing. So I'm surprised, you know, maybe the political climate has made that so C-sharp, but uh, I don't know. Um, I know when I was working in broadcast TV, there was a, uh, a, a, concerted effort to appeal to Spanish-speaking people, which is one of the reasons I was hired. I'm, I'm a result of affirmative action over at the local CBS station here in Chicago. So, and I'm, and I'm proud of that. Uh, and I worked hard to keep that job. And, and, and about, you know, I worked seven years at the local CBS station and then a year and a half over at the PBS station. So, you know, being Hispanic and being bilingual, to a degree, my Spanish is a little on the fucked up side, <laughs> but I grew up around the culture, and uh, that helped uh, me when in some of my programming. So, anyways, we're supposed to talk about football. <laughs> what about you? What do you? Who do you been up to in your personal life? You've been working your ass off, I understand. Yeah, just work, and I've been. I'm. I'm happy that the Bears got that win over Carolina. Uh, you, we may not liked, you know. The score, but a win is a win is a win. And you remember Sylvester, he was upset last night. He's like, man, we didn't beat Buffalo. Buffalo beat themselves. I'm like, you got a fucking W. Mm. And at the end of the year, they're not going to be like, I don't know, that win against the Bears or, or Buffalo, those really don't count. They all count. Mm -hmm. And that's the way I felt after the Carolina game. The defense seems to be playing better. Like it was, the trade seems to, I mean, it's only two games in. But the sweat trade seems to be a good one so far, right? Yeah. And, and we've got our corners back, playing sharp. Uh, we've got our safeties back, even though I still question Eddie Jackson, but maybe we can get some pass rush now. Uh, linebackers, we don't have Edmonds back, but still, Sanborn playing good. The defense is playing better, Aldo, is what I'm trying to tell you. And if the defense is better and we're getting Justin back, we're getting Herbert back, in theory, we should be cutting Valus Jones this week, I would think, for Herbert's spot. Probably put him back on the practice squad. Uh, we're getting Fields back, man. He's got seven more games to show that he's the guy. I'm excited. I, I'm glad Detroit beat San Diego because I was watching that game. I mean, I was rooting for the Chargers while, while I was watching it, 
But I think it's more of a trap game now. The Lions are really, really arrogant suddenly and saying, like, the other St. Brown boy is always talking. Not our St. Brown, the, the brother. And so they think that they've already won something here. And they right. don't even realize Minnesota's right on their fucking heels anyway. So I think this could be a trap game. I, I, I think yeah. the Bears could win. That's a good point. I haven't thought of it that way. I do. I am concerned about, you know, the Lions defense is vulnerable right now. In two of their last three games, I, I'm pretty sure this is correct. They've allowed 38 and then 41 points or no, 38 points in, in, in two of their last three games. And I listened to some of the post game interviews and guys like hate Aiden Hutchinson and coach Campbell. We're talking about this shit ain't going to continue to happen. We're going to fix it. We're going to fix it. Aaron, Aaron Glenn, our, our DC defensive coordinator, AC, they call him or AG. Uh, he's going to get this fixed. And so I think that there's, they're going to come out really fucking hungry. This defense in their stadium, Ford field to really upset the Chicago bears offense and, and try to, you know, pitch a shutout. Now I'm also uh, a bit optimistic about Justin Fields coming back and playing well, you know, who knows, this could be a defensive battle and uh, it could be an interesting game given that the bears defense has played fairly well. Uh, I did this graphic, Dan, you, you have access to a screen. You can see what's on screen, right? Yes. All right. So the, these this, these are the 10 games the Bears have played. And I was, so I was just trying to get a, a sense as to the opponents that they've played and where they were. Of course, the, the first game, the Packers were 0-0. And, and in parentheses is their record, the team's record, when they faced the Bears. And, then the and where they are now. Correct. And so the Bucks were one and zero, and are now four and five. The Chiefs one and one, and now seven and two. The Broncos were zero and three, and have won, you know, uh, four games since then. They're four and two since then. The Commanders were also uh, five hundred because they had what one two two previous teams, zero, zero Packers. That doesn't really count, but there's been, a, there's a number of teams on this list that were at 500 when they faced the bears, the bears beat them. The Vikings were one and four, and then they beat the bears and have gone on a tear recently, even with Josh Dobbs as their quarterback. That's an interesting story we should talk about. Raiders were also 500 and are still 500 and we beat them. Chargers were 500. We lost to them. The Saints were 500. We lost to them. So the point of this exercise was that these teams that we lost to, with the exception of the Kansas City Chiefs and perhaps the Vikings now, but then when we faced them, they weren't, these teams weren't very good. And so we were losing against opponents for the most at least we should have ended up 500 against these teams. Instead, we lost, what, five, six, seven games. And uh, that worries me because Detroit is definitely going to be the second best team that we will face this season outside of the Kansas City Chiefs. That's good. That's good. That gives you opportunity. You have four division games left. And I don't want to write off the season yet because I'm a dumb fucking fan. And I care about the Chicago Bears. Other people want to start talking about the draft and the quarterback and the coach. And I'm not saying that's bad or wrong, but I still see seven games left. 
Mm-hmm. I see four in the NFC North. We've got to think about this too. If Justin plays Sunday, maybe, maybe it's better for his thumb to not be in the cold and in the wind. And you got the next two games in domes and then a week off. So before he's that back outside in the in the cold again, it's going to be a month from now almost. That's another so, great point I didn't think of. Go ahead. Yeah, he's going to have a glove on, as they've said, but he's going to have two stadiums that it, the conditions are as good as they possibly could be for his hand right now and gripping the ball and not being cold. And, and I think if we're going to get back in it, and maybe that's a long shot, maybe I'm crazy for just even considering it. This is the script I want, sure. you know? And again, maybe it behooves Justin right now to be on the road the next two weeks because if he struggles early, he's going to start hearing boos at Soldier Field. So maybe he comes out. Maybe it's not a, a pretty game against the Lions, but maybe the maybe they come out pounding the rock with Foreman and Herbert and and do bootlegs and the things they were doing with Bajent with Justin and the defense is better. And Detroit, I mean, come on. They haven't won anything yet. You can't tell me what what's more Lions than to have a big lead in your division and then fuck it up and lose it. There's yeah, nothing more cool. Lions than that. And <laughs> this is this is a game that they probably don't even think they have to show up for. That is so true. I mean, we can't forget the Lions history of fucking things up. Uh, but I got to tell you, man, I've I've watched enough tape recently, not all 22 stuff, just uh highlight stuff for for stuff I'm working on. That fucking offense from the Lions, man, that thing is jacked with talent and smart play calling by the offensive coordinator, Ben Johnson, who's going to be working as a head coach next season. There's no doubt in my mind. They, they, I know some of us here in the barroom were critical of the Lions draft, but to me, the selection of Jameer, Jameer Gibbs and then, you know, signing before that, David Montgomery, that's given them the best one-two punch at the running back position. Those guys are fucking fantastic. And what Ben Johnson has done with resurrecting uh, uh, the quarterback's career, Jared Goff, and what he's done with the fourth-round draft pick wide receiver, Amon St. Brown, that's fucking impressive. The, the the offense is is this team's strength, and hopefully the Bears' defense has gotten to the point where they're going to nullify some of those big weapons, and they're not, they're not going to drop thirty plus on us. I'm scared. Well, I'll tell you. I'm truth. looking for like a two fumble game from David Montgomery. Two <laughs> lost fumbles is what I want. Everyone has revenge games on us. Mm-hmm. I want a revenge game on him. Mm-hmm. You're going to run your mouth. Are you so glad to be gone? Well, give us the fucking ball. You're going to be the GOAT today, not like the greatest of all time, the original definition of GOAT, like the Bill Buckner. <laughs> you told me yesterday that you were doing your Monday show with Mr. Shorty over at Bears Country Pod- Podcast or Productions and that you were positive and he was negative. And then when you were dri- driving home or driving to work, it started to get to you some of the stuff that he was saying. Yeah, because well, I, I kept thinking, he's like, oh, the, you, Dan said, the Bears haven't won two in a row at all during Iberflus's run, I was like, "Well, not until Sunday." And <laughs> I really felt that it was plausible. Then, when, when I was driving home, I was like, "Man, that hour and a half of negativity from the other Dan, maybe he's right." Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that fucker, that Don Burr, was in there talking shit. And I'm like, "God, <laughs> see that—that's the whole Detroit disposition right now. They think that they've—they've they've won something and they haven't won anything yet. Minnesota's yeah. right on their heels." Yeah. Very true. 
Um, J2K had a really good point here. He says the real issue with this season is how the Bears started. I don't know if it was coaching or what, but we came out flat and unprepared. Absolutely. So I'll, so I'll ask you this. I, I do think that it that was coaching. But at the same time, the coaches – and the general manager have talked about the injuries during preseason and that they weren't able to get that, that cohesion uh, going. A lot of new players and without a really robust preseason where players are lining up shoulder to shoulder with themselves and practicing for long periods of time, that that's what helped them get out of the gate slowly. I think there's some truth to that. But it doesn't matter. It, it, the way we lost to the Green Bay Packers, that yeah, I don't give a fuck what happened during the preseason. Should not have lost that badly to the Packers. No way. Oh, I agree. I'm sorry I'm eating your sandwich right now, but that was the worst game I've ever been to in my life. Mm -hmm. But, pardon me, to quote The Rock, what, what kind of it doesn't do matter. <laughs> it doesn't matter in week 11. It doesn't matter. Here we are. If you beat Detroit and you beat Minnesota going into that bye, you are back in it, whether people want to admit it or not. If you're suddenly five and seven and you've got a couple division wins under your belt, I mean, you're back in it. And the defense is better now. And they made that big trade. They should be able to get pressure. That should free up, uh, free up Igakwe to get some some pressure, right? Uh, mm -hmm. They had, what, three sacks the other night? Yep. I know it's against Carolina, but I'm just saying, all that all that was true. The, be the, the start of the year was horrendous. But if I'm just playing devil's advocate, when you if you watch any of those videos, mm -hmm. uh, it looked like the team still likes Eberflus when they were celebrating after the win. It mm -hmm. looks like maybe Getsy's the problem. I'm not saying we should keep Eberflus, but I'm not saying fire him yet either because we still have seven games left and maybe we can win those. Mm -hmm. But the team looked like they were really happy for him and and they and it looked like they still respect him. Yeah. So yep. I don't know, man. Maybe if the defense does come together, because the defense was so bad early this season, and you got Gordon playing well now, hopefully we get uh, Edmonds back soon. The The D-line is obviously a lot better. The secondary mm -hmm. starting starting to play better, right? And you mm -hmm. got people back there if you keep Brisker healthy. The linebackers are playing better. The defense is playing better. If we can get better play calling, you know, and – Justin's better than patient. He is. Now, I understand that Justin has to play better, but talent-wise, he's a significant upgrade, mm -hmm. right? So you're getting yeah. your quarterback back. You're getting your other running back back. I mean, if you're writing a script to say, what do we need to beat Detroit? We've got a lot of things in our category here that say this is what we need going to Ford Field, and we have it, mm -hmm. assuming tomorrow that they say that Fields is playing. Shaq Sanborn has been playing super football. What do you do with him when Tremaine Edmonds comes back and fills that middle linebacker? Do you continue to go back to Sanborn playing that weak side linebacker, which means he'll be in on anywhere between 30 to 50% of the snaps? Or do you figure out a way maybe to have them split the middle linebacker responsibilities? And when it's obvious running plays, Sanborn is in. And when it's obvious passing plays, Tremaine Edmonds is in. Because that's what's going on with those two guys. Edmonds is not the popper. He's not that run stopper that Sanborn is. And Sanborn is not the coverage guy that Edmonds is. So if you're going to play to the strengths, Maybe you split their time at middle linebacker, uh, and it's based on down and distance. 
that's certainly uh, a good idea. And furthermore, Edmonds will be coming off his uh, knee injury. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, maybe you do bring him back slowly and mix yeah. more Sanborn at the middle. And, you know, when I watched that, the game two weeks ago when he was making all those tackles, I was like, man, maybe they move uh, 49 outside like Lance Briggs mm-hmm. and keep Sanborn in the middle there. But maybe I'm just blinded by like Erlacher Briggs stuff in my, in my memory bank there. But yeah, it's still, I feel like we'd be better if Edmonds is back as opposed to you'd, you'd have to think if we had another IR spot right now and could bring, cause you know, they're full. That's the reason they didn't put Justin on there. If you go on IR now, you're out for the year. Yeah. Is that what would have, if we had another spot though, would Edmonds be on IR? That's the question. Yeah. I don't know. That's a good question. J2K says, is asking is uh flu's too easy on their players. They play hard, but I want to get over the hump and I'm not sure flu's brings out greatness. Nice, nice guys sometimes do finish last. When I've seen that, uh, addressed to people like Brad Biggs and other people who cover the other beat reporters. They say that publicly he is really nice to the players, but privately he and the position coaches are really on the players' ass. They don't want they don't want to publicly humiliate anyone because that's in their minds is a way is one way that you lose today's modern athlete. You know, Mike Ditka got away with it for several years and then eventually uh, members of the late eighties bears, you know, told Mike to go fuck himself. So what do you think about that? It, it, is there something about Felusa's coaching, you know, that you've observed that bothers you or that you like the way he treats his players? Well, if I'm just playing the same car that you just did, that's kind of what Lovey did, right? He, he wouldn't give anybody publicly you know, some uh, admonishment. I mean, how many times did you hear Rex is my quarterback Right. whenever Rex struggled? So uh, maybe that he comes from that same type of coaching tree, right? I'm not saying that maybe the cover two is, is an unfair comparison with how you would treat players, but maybe he learns from the, the, those type of coaches and that's the way they do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I can't say I'm not there. I, I don't know. Uh, yeah. But I can say from the videos that I've seen, and maybe they're just doctored propaganda by the Chicago Bears. It appears that the coaches, or I'm sorry, the players like the coach. Mm-hmm. And I feel bad for him. It looks like a lot of times when we see him, it looks like he hasn't slept. He looks like he's on coke or something, like to try to stay awake. Yes, that's true. <laughs> yeah, he, he looks bad, like it, the season's wearing on him. But maybe if he gets some few more wins, we might see him reinvigorated, you know? Yeah. We were going to talk about Ryan Poe's uh, King Pookie Nation on this show, but I, I failed to book the guest. Uh, but go ahead and answer this question, Dan. Why do you like Ryan Poe? Well, I wouldn't say that uh, I like him so much is that I do believe he's coming back regardless of what any of us say, and that is indicated by the, the, the sweat trade. If mm-hmm. he was in trouble, I don't think the new team president or the McCaskies would allow allowed him to pull that trade because you're talking about a $100 million contract and the loss of a second-round pick. If they thought this guy's not even going to be here, there's no way they make him, let him make that trade. Yeah. So he's he's on safe ground whether you like him or not. So it's not so much I'm like his, like his advocate is, is to say that, okay, he's here. Accept it. There's no reason to bitch about him. He's in his second year. Maybe he gets better, gets another draft under him. He's still young. He's getting another opportunity, another swing at the, at the at a coach probably. But I'm hoping that Eberflus can run off some wins here. Uh, you know, 
But at the very least, he's coming back regardless, even if they fire the coach. So like I view it as like it's a non-topic. There's no reason for me to sit around and criticize him right now because he's coming back. Yeah. Looks that way. I, and, you know, uh, David Hall of 670, the score made an well, interesting. Well, me blocked, by the way. I know. I was just actually going to say that. Not that you would have seen this. because He posted right. it on, on Twitter, but you wouldn't have seen it because he's blocked you. But he made an interesting case. He says, you know, there's this merry-go-round going on with the Chicago Bears organization over the last 10, 15, 20 years, whatever it is, where management is getting rid of coaches two or three years into it. And you can't build any continuity then. And so, you know, it, 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 you become the laughing stock of the league because you're really not giving a coach or in some cases the general manager, if you're getting rid of general managers quickly, you're not giving them an opportunity to grow into the job, to finish their plan. You know, you look at, and he didn't say this, but I'm throwing this in there. You look at Ryan Pace, his last draft with the Bears, if Justin Fields works out, was a pretty fucking good one. Maybe, you know, he just struck out with two coach coaching hires, Fox and Nagy. Maybe Brian Pace was good at his job. I don't really believe that. But he but had I mean, a long time. To, he was there from what, 15, 15 through 21? Yeah. I mean, he had his opportunities. He made the playoffs one time. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying he 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 got a fair shake. There's mm-hmm. no way you can't say that Ryan Pace didn't get a shot like a legitimate chance for his vision to manifest. He failed. Mm-hmm. Ryan Pauls is in year two. He hasn't had the same type of uh, tenure as of yet. Right. So, And and if you believe the plan, uh, and the plan that he sold McCaskey on and the one that he implemented is you knew last year was going to be last year because he got at the roster. You get rid of two pass rushers, Mack and Quinn. You try to get the salary cap down to zero. You're trading away pieces. You make the Chase Claypool play because you were just so sorry for the fucking offense. You wanted to give Justin Fields somebody to throw to. That ended up being a huge mistake. But nonetheless, it was the plan. And so you could, you shouldn't really have expected them to compete for a playoff last year. And they only, they only won three games. You can kind of erase that. But this year, there was supposed to be, at, at the very least, a good start to the season. You know, losing uh, – let me put that graphic up again. L- losing to the Packers and then the Bucks. you know, they were – that was a road game, so you can kind of see perhaps that they'd lose. But they sh- really should not have lost it. They should have been two and one after th- week three. They should have beaten the Broncos. I mean, come on. They should have been uh, – that team was 0-3. And, and the Bears had a 28 to 7 lead. And again, I was at that game too. Oh my God. Jesus. What's your record now? What's your one loss record now? Two and nine. Two and nine. Let's and fire got, Dan. I've got Cleveland on deck in a few weeks. We're gonna be we're gonna be three and nine, goddammit. Three and nine. We're going back to the place where Fields got sacked nine times and getting a win this time. So who are you going to that game with in Cleveland? Uh, my, uh, the guy I work high school games with now starting oh, this year, okay. Justin and, uh, uh, the girlfriend. So it's gonna all, be right. all three of us. Oh, nice. So there's no chance that somebody from Cleveland is going to call you gay. Like they did to me and you, were, <laughs> you and I were there. Right? Well, if they do, they do. I'll take it. If it's, <laughs> if it's a victory this time, they can call me gay all they want. Hell if the bears win and they've beaten Detroit, Minnesota along the way, maybe I will suck a good cock. <laughs> no, no, I'm just kidding. But 
I I think the Bears are, still have a shot to to make some kind of run this year if they win these games. You're, again, you got Detroit, Minnesota, both on the road. Like I said, I think that helps Justin right now to be in a dome. Then you get a bye. Then you got Detroit again. If for some reason they could win those three games, mm-hmm. then holy shit, you got three divisional wins, three conference wins. I mean, you're right there. Yeah. And you still got the Packers later too to get right. another division win. So, and that's week 17. But and then along the way in there, you got Arizona, Atlanta. Do those yep. teams seem insurmountable? I'm just saying, if you can you can start Sunday. And win a game that you're not supposed to win is you're going to hear uh, all this week. Oh, the Bears haven't won a, against a team over 500 since mm-hmm. the Raiders in 2021. Well, okay, you can erase that this week. Mm-hmm. Like this week needs to be the fucking Super Bowl. You come out and you do anything and everything you can to get a victory, and then the rest is in motion, man. You know, before I I talk about the schedule, you brought up the. The joke, you know, you would suck somebody's dick if the Bears win the playoffs. <laughs> I'm going to ask everybody in the chat room if, if tonight when you go to sleep, we all had the same dream. All of us who are witnessing this show, if we all had the same dream where some saintly figure says, "You want the Bears to go to the playoffs? <laughs> you must suck a man's dick and prove <laughs> you, you are not a homophobe." So I want everyone in the chat room to respond. Would you suck someone's dick within 24 hours so that the Bears would go to the playoffs? It, it, it's you know the answer better true. be yes. <laughs> <laughs> we got a dissenter already. <laughs> Oh man, I can't believe I, I can't believe these are Bears fans. <laughs> Hell no. No. no, no, they'd be winless. <laughs> Can I hire someone to suck it? I'll do that. <laughs> how about this then? If you want to be you're like, ooh, I can't suck somebody's dick. How about you take anal beads then? Shove them up your ass. Yeah, and then they, they do whatever they do. I've thankfully never been a part of the anal beads either. So I've seen videos of it. It, it looks like uh it looks like something I don't want to do. So. Oh the worst thing out of the, playoffs. the worst thing to me would be that whatever that instrument is, or they shove it up your, your urethra, and that's supposed to be pleasurable. They like you uh, like your piss hole. <laughs> like I would rather blow a guy than take that thing. I'm telling you. <laughs> uh, Heidi says, "Do you really want me to answer that?" I won. <laughs> <laughs> there you go, Heidi. We got one diehard Bears fan. <laughs> but man, it, it's not real. Okay, I, I I've brought up a couple instances before. Here goes. Now follow me on this. You remember the 07 Giants came to Soldier Field and beat the Bears. Uh, late in the season, around week 13, they were under 500 at the time. And I remember they went to the, straight to the post game afterwards, and Pat Boyle was mad because the Bears blew it. And he said, that's a sh-, he didn't say shit, but he's like, that's a terrible team that, that we just lost to on the lakefront. The Giants didn't lose again. They went on and beat the undefeated Patriots in the Super Bowl that year. But it started with Chicago. They beat the Bears, and they won like their last four or five, and then won all their playoff games. No one saw that coming. Is what I'm saying. It happens. Or how about the Jaguars in '96 that made it all the way to the AFC Championship game? At one point, they were three and seven. They run the table, finish nine and seven, win two road playoff games, and end up one game away from the Super Bowl. It happens. People get hot. Yep. But 
has this team given you any indication that they can get hot? Yes, the defense is getting better, significantly okay. better than what it was. Now, they were giving up some plays late in that game that I was worried about if Carolina didn't try that 59-yard field goal. I was concerned we weren't going to stop them because that's the scheme. But I think on paper and to a man, the players, everything's getting better on that side of the ball. Yeah. And that does give you hope because they were so bad earlier this year. They were just dreadful. Fucking best. dreadful. They've got you get that defense playing good ball, and you you don't have Valus Jones back there fumbling. Mm-hmm. You don't have him dropping screen passes now. I mean, it's just I think there's a shot, especially I, I think Foreman has shown that he's a good back, and you, you're getting Herbert back. I, I I mean, why not? The offensive line seems a little bit better, and if you get Nate Davis back, maybe you get Whitehair's sorry ass out of there. And you have Jenkins and Davis and, and Darnell Wright. You know, I mean, Lu- Lucas Patrick is Lucas Patrick, but, you know, okay, he's better than Whitehair. And then you, maybe Braxton's getting better coming back. So the mm-hmm. offensive line could be getting better. The defensive line is already better. And you get Justin back. And regardless of what, if even if you're a Bajent guy and you don't like Justin, athletically and talently, Justin's better. Mm-hmm. He's a better player. You're inserting a better, more talented player. That's indisputable. Now he's got to back it up, but it's an upgrade. Everything's an upgrade right now. The defense is better. Like, why the hell not? I I think you make a compelling case. Uh, I am reading some of the uh, comments in the chat room. No one agrees with you. <laughs> But we're not playing the, you know, the fucking 94 49ers here or something, or, you know, the 85 Bears. We're not playing a a great, great team. Detroit is a much improved team. They have my respect, and I'm envious of Mm -hmm. uh, Dan Campbell's like willingness to motivate and has immense toughness. A lot of that I feel like is what the Bears lack. So, mm-hmm. but I give them their props. They they beat KC on the road, you know. I mean, they beat San Diego or the LA on the road. They've, you know, they've won some good games, but they haven't won the Super Bowl yet. They're just another team right now, mm-hmm. and they're a, a team that we can beat. I agree with that. I I agree. I, they're a really good team. I'm worried about what that offense is going to do. Um, the Bears on defense have to come up with a fucking fantastic game plan and they got to execute it to the T's. By the way, BJ has a better suggestion than sucking somebody's <laughs> He says, how about praising God if we want and acknowledging that he is God? Can you try that, Dan Aguirre? Would you try that? If the well, Bears win and get into the playoffs, would you It wouldn't be right for me to turn to God whenever something, like, you know, I need something. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's so disingenuous to me. I mean, I'm I'm yeah. not religious, but I don't think that the PJ or anybody else is wrong. I'm no. not saying that they're wrong. It's just that's not something that I wish I did believe. I mean, it's almost like that pill in the Matrix, and I don't mean to go politics with that. I'm just saying if you could give me a pill and then I'll wake up and I think God is great and that there's there's hope in my life and hope in the, with the bear. Fuck, who wouldn't want that? Give me that. Give me that. It's exhausting being a non-believer. Exhausting. Because you feel everything is just like falling down at all times, it seems. 
It really is. Dan will send me audio texts at times, like after, you know, during the Panthers game, you're sending me texts and I'm thinking to myself, maybe I should call him because he really sounds like he might be hurting himself or something. No, no, no. <laughs> no, I'm just exaggerating. But, you you know, your frustration is coming through loud and clear. You were unhappy with the way the Bears were playing that game. That first half against the lowly, low, lowly Carolina Panthers. It was not pretty. And, of uh, course, the former Bear gets the punt return on us. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Smith Martha. <laughs> exactly. It's like, it's a, it, right out of a Dan Aguirre script. There's going to be a former Bear that's going to fuck us somehow. <laughs> it was playing out exactly the way you would have written it. Thankfully, Eddie Pinheiro missed, though, from 59. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Goodness gracious. If that had been somebody else, he'd have made it. I mean – Oh, my God. Well, I think we got a, uh, a good media mashup. Um, it is a little longer than I want it. It's about 27 minutes long. But we've got uh, the very last one is Adam Johns talking about the future of Matt Eberflus. I think that's worthy. The first two are comments uh, immediately after the Bears game. And I, Dan Hampton went fucking. Oh, yeah. Oh, you heard it? Oh, yeah. I listened. Oh my God. <laughs> I listened. I was so happy about the win uh -huh. that I listened to the ballroom. I listened to WGN. I listened to Yurko. I was all over the place, man. I'm so you like, I even watched other games on Sunday. It's the first time all season. I was so happy the Bears win that I watched the, the Chargers and Lions. I watched the end of the Redskins and, uh, or sorry, the, the Commanders and uh, the Seahawks. And what else was going on at that time? Arizona and Atlanta. So I, I was watching late football on Sunday, and I hadn't done that. All. I watched the end of the Raiders Jets. I was reinvigorated by that win on Thursday. I love it. I love hey, it. Before we get to the piece, I want to ask you, all jokes aside, and again, you don't have to agree with me at all. What do you think about Sunday? Like, I think there's a chance here. I don't think we get blown out. I, um... You know, I, I, I live a double life. You know, I'm a Bears fan. I always think there's hope. Uh, but as a realist, I, I don't think we've got a shot. I, I, I think Justin being out is going to be rusty. Um, and I don't know if he's if that thumb is going to allow him to grip the ball safely. You know, so he might turn the ball over in a fumble. I don't know. It just, to me, it feels like it could be an ass-whipping. As a fan, I think the Bears can – let me put the schedule back up. I think that the Bears could win every remaining game. These two road games versus the Lions and Vikings, these two divisional opponents, I could see them uh, – If they win those them. games, they're back in it. There's no fucking question. Exactly. And then they've got the bye. They can prepare for the Lions at home. Then they go to Cleveland, and you're going to reverse your record. Then we've got the holiday games, Cardinals and Falcons, two lowly teams. And then the Packers are going to be playing for a higher draft pick. They may not even start Jordan Love. Uh, so there's a good chance here that – what is that? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven games. There's a good chance they could win – six or five of those last seven games and maybe even all seven who knows but uh, that's me as a fan but realistically <laughs> well just look at sunday forget all those other ones if justin okay. if you think justin's rusty and he's wearing a glove like i say at least it's indoors it's going to be warm it's going to help a little bit 
And then, you know, you say, all right, so he might be rusty. So what do we do? Let's do what he does best. Let's do bootlegs. Let's do, uh, you know, play action. Let's run the ball mm-hmm. and don't put him in the shotgun on fucking fourth and one or, you know, with an empty backfield on the first play of the game, like Minnesota, like mm-hmm. let's build to his strengths and maybe protect him a little bit on some of the play calls until yeah. we feel like he's back in sync here. Like it, it's not rocket science. So you think he might be a little rusty. Okay. Well, he's got two big fucks behind him. This will the willing and able to run the ball and get paid to run the ball. And they're good at it. So let's do it. Let's do it. Let's, let's do, do it. it. Let's control the clock. Let's control the clock, win the game like Mike Ditka in 1990 with Brad Muster and Neil Anderson. Run the ball down your fucking throat. We're not going to take too many chances. We hope to win the game, you know, 20 to 13 or something like that. Or maybe Detroit was going to score more than that because it's a different league now. Everybody scores more. So maybe you win 27-24. Whatever, Santos for the winner at the end. I wish you were behind that podium at Hallis Hall after every game and on Monday mornings and on Thursdays as well. But you got Komet playing good good football right now. Let's oh mix in the gosh. tight ends. Let, let we let's bring Mercedes Lewis in uh, for uh, an extra lineman to protect, and then maybe they fall asleep, hit him for a short uh, a ten yard gain touchdown. Let's utilize uh, Tom Tonkin or what's it, what's the name of the old Packer. Tongan. Uh, Tanyan. Yeah, Tanyan. Yeah, so we got weapons, man. Let's use them. Yeah, and then they, occasionally, weapons. let's hit DJ Moore long. Yep. The one thing I love about DJ Moore is you hit him with a 10-yard pass, and he breaks tackles almost every play. He's breaking tackles. He's he's like a running back with that ball after reception. I love that guy. By the way, do you want to address this from PJ? He says, point is that it's okay for you to suggest a homosexual act, which, uh, which I think I did. It's that. a joke. As a joke, but it's disingenuous to acknowledge God. Make make it make sense, Dan. I'm not suggesting you do anything you oppose. Neither would I. Do you want to address that at all? Well, if you are a believer in God, in my opinion, you can't just be a believer in God when things are going wrong. Mm-hmm. That's a twenty four seven gig, and you can't just oh, we want the Bears to make the playoffs, and let me just suck up and see if I can, you know. Uh, petition the Lord with prayer. I mean, you, you can't just, you got to be a, a, a believer when things are going good and going well in addition. Oh. So right now, if I just turn first off, just to turn to God, if there's a God, I think his plates, will, he or she's plates a little bit full, more full. Let's just say with things going on with Israel and Gaza right now, way more important than this. Yeah. So I'm just, all I'm saying is I don't, I'm not disrespecting God. I made a joke about blowing a guy. So what, man? Like, but I can't like turn to God just for something so frivolous and nonsensical as wanting us to beat Detroit, which means everything to me. But if there's a God, wouldn't we be praying to cure disease? That's what I would be doing. Not, not fucking sports. But the one thing that you said that uh, would be challenged by a Christian is that God has said in, in the Bible that he will forgive you at any point in your life. If you're, if you've in your last gasp, and I know I never believed in God, but I'm, I'm about ready to go, to die, and I want you to forgive me. I believe in you now. It says in the Bible that He will forgive you. So remember that. Keep that in your back pocket. <laughs> well, I, I don't want to say that. I'm that's kidding. I'm kidding. No, no, no. But I'm. Not, I'll, I don't want to offend anybody here. What I'm saying is, I, I'm not telling anybody else that they're wrong. Uh-huh. But it would be disingenuous for me, for me specifically, to turn to religion now. 
I'm 43. Oh, I, like, where was I at the first? I mean, not that I was raping or pillaging or doing anything wrong. I mean, I'm a sinner as everybody else, but I mean, I'm not committing crimes or <laughs> anything like anything like that. So it's not like I have some horrible thing to confess, but you know, I mean, fuck it. I can't suddenly just be religious just because. No, I, I think I think PJ and everyone else respects that and that you're not, you know, basically what you're saying is I'm not a hypocrite. I've said that I don't believe that there's a higher power. And so I'm not going to start believing because I want something to happen. You know, I, I will say I want my mother believed in God to the to the her last breath, to use a cliche. If you're telling me that my mom is existing in some form right now, you know, then yes, I want to believe that for her. And yeah. if that's at the expense of my lack of faith to go to hell, then I'll take that. And it, it's easy for me to say here, mm -hmm. yes, but I, I really, my mom really believed. So I wish I did. I just, I don't, man. That, 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 that's not like, I'd never told my mother she was wrong. I just, I just don't believe, man. I mean, it doesn't, we can still be on the same football team. Yeah. And I hope you guys are right. Who wouldn't want an afterlife? Really? Fuck, man. Sign me up for that. I mean, like I said, I, I wish that that were true. Yep. All right. I think we, uh, wait, wait a minute. Muck Muck has a biblical phrase. Psalms 14.1, the fool hath said in his heart, there is no God. They are corrupt. They have done abominable works. That is none that doeth good. Wow. That's really fucked up, man. <laughs> For you. <laughs> I'll, I mean, I'll own it. If the people think less of me because I don't believe like they do, then you're doing exactly what I don't want to do to you. Yeah. I don't want to tell you that you're wrong or you're misled or you're uneducated or any of these fucking things that people do to me. But that is an, another example of why. I haven't been religious because my whole life people have told me I'm a bad guy because the only time I've ever heard in my whole life, someone said something where I was like, wow, was when Pope, the Pope uh, Francis a few years ago said that, uh, that there was a way for non-believers to make it into heaven. It's the first time I've ever heard a religious figure not tell me basically, no, usually you're a piece of shit and you're going to burn forever. So mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm used to people criticizing me because I don't believe the way they do. So thank you for backing up my point. Yep. All right. Uh, with that, we'll head to the media mashup. Anything you want to say before uh, we do this 25-minute thing? No, man. I, I want to say, again, I respect everybody's faith, and that's not me just saying that for bullshit. I hope you're all right. Uh, and go Bears for Sunday because I think we have a shot to win here. I do. And that's the important thing right now. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Yeah, you know how they say you have to believe faith and not question it, right? Yeah. That's what the, the okay. Well, yep. I'm giving you blind faith for Sunday, goddamn. Go bears. Oh, I love it. I love it. But please consider sucking somebody's <laughs> <laughs> maybe uh. <laughs> And uh, it was uh, a less than thrilling game. Let's put it to you that way. What the hell was that? <laughs> it was ugly. <laughs> what the hell was that? Folks, let me tell you something, and I'm not kidding. You're at home. You got a better roster, a better team against a talentless bunch of riffraff. And it comes <laughs> down to just, you know, scratching at the end. Are you kidding me? What the hell was that? And I'm telling you, I, I've had enough of this Eberflus nonsense. Getsy, the whole bunch. 
that defense, and yeah, I got it. Okay, they got a punt return for a touchdown, and then we held them to, what, three field goals or whatever it was. It doesn't matter. When it mattered, we were not up to it. We couldn't stop them, and we're lucky by the skin of our teeth they didn't get that field goal at the end. Folks, this game, I, I wrote down it set the NFL back 20 years. No, it set it back 50 years. 50. <laughs> this was pathetic, disgusting, and I'm sick. All pregame, OB and I sat there and watched, you know, the Fox people. Oh, this offensive line and Tevin Jenkins. They got his butt kicked all over the place. And, uh, you know, a $100 million pass rusher. He didn't do anything. Nothing. Nothing. And I'm telling you, the schematics of the defense were awful. This little midget quarterback couldn't do anything except when the line opened like the Red Sea in front of him, he threw it to Thalen over the middle. Time after time after time. I'm telling you, that was sickening. Well, Danny, uh, there's not too much that that I could argue with you about uh, what you've just said. Uh, that game is uh, that was a one. Uh, was it one and seven? Where Carolina came yeah, in? One, seven. one and seven, and we were a two and seven team playing tonight on national television. And I'll tell you what, these two teams, folks, just just looking at it from o- offense to offense and defense to defense, this game was just god awful. Just god awful. I mean, uh, but. Okay, so like happiness and kudos to the Bears. They finally won a game. We finally won a game, but we won a game against a team that I don't recall. I don't know if I've ever seen an offense quite that bad for four quarters. I mean, they showed nothing. Carolina showed nothing in the running game, in the short passing game, intermediate passing game, in the deep passing game. Absolutely nothing. And what Dan alluded to in his opening volley was that Bryce Young, my God, I, 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 for four quarters, there were so many avenues that were wide open for him to run that football. He could have ran for, my God, 15, 20, 30 yards. I couldn't tell you folks how many times maybe you people saw that also. And he never ran Basically, not one time did he take off when he could have. I, I don't understand that. That like a coach can't sit him down, and his passes, his passes were late, and they were behind his receivers. And this kid was the number one pick, folks. That kid, I I can tell you this, Danny. You listen. This is. I, I really don't care about him. This Obi. couldn't even be. This couldn't be the first bad game this guy's ever played. That kid was terrible. He was worse last week. But the point being is, it's about us and us taking care of business the way we are supposed to Danny, take care of it. We, and we played down. We got into a, a fist fight with a pig. Danny, we it was a horrible. What's so, everybody crying about? I'm what is, what is everybody crying about? Where? That was a disgusting display of football. I, that was a complete 
disgusting display of football. A disgusting display of winning football. It's disgusting. 16-13 victory. Please. Win number three. Justin Fields, please come back. Uh, neither quarterback. He's back. I thank God. Yeah, he's coming Neither back. quarterback uh, averaged five yards in attempt. Yeah, it's Neither pathetic. quarterback had a quarterback rating above 73. Pathetic. Neither quarterback averaged positive EPA per play. And believe it or not, Tyson Bajan was worse in EPA per play than Bryce Young, who is terrible. Uh, neither offense reached 300 yards. Carolina had a series success rate of 55%. That was a despicable, brutal, embarrassing display of offensive football. Did the Bears win? Did they do they themselves won. some good? They, they did. Won. How many was, times did they turn the it ball It was over? a despicable display of football. How many times did the Bear, Bears turn uh, the ball over? Zero. Thank zero. God. Thank huh? God. How about that? The two, the no best turnovers. The, the two best things to take away from the game were at least they had some balls and let Tyson Bajan throw it on the last third down play. Right. Where they were able to kneel the for clock. For victory. For victory. Thank God. Yes. Thank God. Yes. It's like, hey, it took 58 minutes, but you did something good. Yeah. Uh, Tyson Bajan and Matty Burfield. He also had a fourth, he also had a fourth down conversion earlier. He did in have the a game. fourth down conversion, too. I mean, that's another positive Well, thing. third down was the game. In the, the land of your negativity, there were some positive things. I'll give you a couple. The Bears right. went 6 of 15 on third down. That was the game. That's okay, yeah. Well, it was because yeah, when, you think it's of, okay. when you think about it, like uh, Carolina went, I think, 3 of 12. Bears went 6 right. of 15. That's really the game. Those extra plays and right. that, like, three extra minutes of clock possession sure. allowed the Bears to hold on and win well, the give game. Give me more positives. Uh, Montez Sweat. It. I thought Montez Sweat was good last night. Yeah, you can see him affect the ball game. That, that, I think there's better football still in Montez Sweat, but I think he affected the football game in a positive manner. Yes. Um, that's it. No, that's not true. That's not true. The Bears defense leads the league in uh, uh, yards per rush given up. 3.3. Yeah, they only gave up 2.7 that's yards true. per rush yesterday. That run defense has been stout all year. Okay. And that run defense is the one that puts you in a situation where you had to throw the ball with the Carolina Panthers because you weren't going to have a ton of success via the run. So you've got to give the Bears right. defense a thumbs up, a run defense, the way they've been able to play. So that's fair a enough. Good thing. Yes. Considering how much of a weakness it was last year, that's yeah. a fair point. Yes. Since week five. And this last data point is only going to help right. this statistic for the Bears. Since week five, the Bears are actually number one in the NFL in what Yurko was just talking about. Defensive rush EPA and defensive rush success rate. They're right. number one in the league since week Two five. Two things I am, Carm. I'm naughty by nature and I'm positive by nature. Okay? <laughs> Two things Except I am. when it comes okay? to Al Michaels and right. Chucky. Except, well, when it comes to the uh, Amy, it was horrific. <laughs> I love Chucky. It, it was horrific. I've got a couple of things. I can't wait. The guy is able to play, you know, I, and I think he is. I, I just wonder... Does he know, you know, how is – he, is he comfortable with how he's going to dress his wound going into the game? Let's put it that way. I think, if, he's, done a, I think he's done a couple different things there. He's yes. tried the glove. He's, like, cut the thumb out on it. It looked like there was maybe some tape on it. I, I talked to Jim Miller, uh, the former Bears quarterback, shortly after Justin was injured. Um Jim suffered a broken thumb, not a dislocated thumb, but a broken thumb on his throwing hand as a rookie when he was with the Pittsburgh Steelers. And, you know, he talked about taking time to get that grip strength back and that being the big issue and doing a lot of, uh, a lot of different drills with, uh, 
putting his hand in rice buckets and using silly putty, believe it or not, all different types of things to sort of regain strength in the thumb. And then he said that, yes, when he got back out there for a good while, he had to tape that thumb to um, help him help him with the grip strength. So Fields has got a completely different injury, right? But it's it's also to an injury to his right thumb, and um, we'll have to see how he plans to kind of uh, stabilize it or you know, whatever whatever term you want to use. Because uh, Matt Eberflus mentioned it. Days after the injury, that you know, some guys tape it up. So we'll see um, what path they choose a little bit later this week, maybe. So Tevin Jenkins was on the Parkinson Spiegel show on Monday, Brad, and talked about it being no big deal for him to move to left guard. If and when. Maybe there will be that Justin Fields is going to find himself mm-hmm. back on the field this Sunday against Detroit. That's its own problem. But before we get to that part of the problem, I'd love to know what you think is at stake for Fields, if anything, over the last seven games of the season. I mean, a lot of money is at stake. Um, Him staying a bear is at stake. Uh, I think his career kind of can be at stake. But, you know, a lot of guys, you know, drafted as high as he had will get a shot somewhere else. You look at Jared Goff uh, in Detroit, you know, got a second chance and look how well he's playing. I hope that some way, somehow, the Bears, Luke Getze, everybody, you know, they talked about the self-scout yesterday, that they did some self-scouting and they figured out or can figure out a way to use Justin the right way. Olin's talk about bringing back, like, the college style, that you know, the zone read with him and not just setting him back in the pocket. I don't want to see that anymore. I want to see if the Bears can actually figure out a way to, to, to release this guy, to figure out who he is, because he is such a talent. He's amazing with his legs. We know he's not a good thrower from the pocket, but figure out a way to make him work. And I think he can work, but I want to see if the Bears can 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 unleash this guy. And I, I think that's what's at stake. Can can they figure out how Justin Fields can can um, can be good at the pro level? I I wish it was clearer to me that they enjoy the challenge of coaching him. Mm-hmm. And it just it, for whatever reason, and I know it's still that we're. I, that I'm, I'm, some of it's projection, some of it's pure conjecture, but it almost is like there's they're bothered by having to figure him out instead of being challenged and excited yeah. about it. Yeah, what I always say is, I'm telling you that this is the fact. Coaches have bigger egos than players. General managers have bigger egos than players. So what I mean by that is sometimes, like it seems to me that Luke Getzey's like it's my system. It's not about Justin Fields. And that's what makes me a little upset that they haven't untapped him enough. They did it like Nagy did it with Mitch Trubisky. You know what I mean? They just, they, they, they want to run their system and they don't tailor it to the talent they have. And I'm just hoping that they look in the mirror and they, they talk to each other. And like I said, they talk about the self-scouting. So the defense is scouting the offense. The offense is scouting the defense. Maybe, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping they didn't go back and really scout Tyson Bajan. Hopefully they went back and scouted you know, Justin Fields to figure out, you know, how to untap him. And it, it just amazes me that coaches, Dan, that they will not, they will not give in, you know, they, they want to run their system. And I, I hope they figure it out the next seven games. I'd love to get your perspective because you, you work with a guy for forever that I really, really liked and admired in Dave Tobe. And 
I, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm a big proponent of special teams coordinators need to get more love when head coaching jobs come up because of their versatility. What's, sure. what's an example of Dave Tobe being flexible with what it Ooh, is that he um, believes in and then getting you guys ready to do the best that you can, regardless of what he believes in? That's a really good question. Um, Man, I can't think of anything right now. Um, I'm trying to think of a situation or a scenario. Oh, okay, here you go. Like punting. So Brad Maynard, if he wants to punt, like if you, you go to Soldier Field and there's wind going one direction to the other, but he scouted a team and said, okay, we need to kick it this side on punt. You know, we got to kick it to the right or whatever. It took him a while to understand that the wind is more important than trying to out-scheme somebody, that Brad Maynard cannot hit a great kick kicking to the right from a right to left win. And it literally took about two years for him to figure that out. But that's coaching. That's him like, okay, actually, let's switch this up. Brad Maynard can kick his best kick, give us the greatest chance to cover a kick, even if we have to kick it to the left, even if, you know, whatever the scheme is or whoever they have over there is holding us up, uh, knowing that we're going to kick to the left. That, that, that's, a, that's a situation where Dave Tobe grew as a coach and understood, like, listen, Brad Maynard can't kick it into the right wind. He's got to kick it with the wind. Um, there are very few guys that that do that, that play in that position and are always ready. Um, and so those are just a number of the things that have really, really impressed me with CJ. It's been fun to watch him. And I, I'm excited. I mean, if he's doing this right now, halfway through his rookie season, I'm excited to see what he can become. Interested to hear about that technique you're talking about, playing in a throwing position, being ready, because I got to tell you, there have been parts of Justin Fields' career where we watch him, or at least I watch him, and I see, man, it takes so long for him to seemingly wind up and get in a throwing position. Can that be taught at the NFL level? And, and, and do you see what I'm talking about with Fields when you do watch him? It can definitely be taught. You know, it can all be taught. Um, but Again, I don't want to point out Justin. You watch any game in the National Football League, and most quarterbacks are not there. Most of them, you know, one of the first things you're going to see is a lot of guys bouncing. So they get back into the pocket, and they're bouncing up and down. Um, you know, so their feet almost like come off the ground, or they're going high. And, you know, very few guys can throw high. So if you're high or you're bouncing, your feet got to come back to the ground. you got to drop low, and then you have to throw the football. And so when I mean being in a throwing position, that means when you're dropping and as soon as you get to the top of your route or top of your drop, do you get into your throwing position? Whatever position that is, however low you get, whatever the bend of the knees is, are you in that position? And then how much do you live in that position as you're going through your progressions, as you're moving in the pocket, as soon as you come up, as soon as your feet go sideways, uh, as soon as your feet come together, you come out of that position and you've got to get back into it. Again, you don't have to get back into it and make every throw, but if you want to be an accurate thrower, I believe you've got to play in technique most of the time, maybe outside of a couple of those freak quarterbacks that we have that play out of position and are, are really good at playing with their core as opposed to their feet. Hmm. But even those guys, it costs them every single game I watch. You know, even though they get away with things that other guys can't, it still costs them. And so to play in that position is something you have to get used to. It's funny when I train guys, and as soon as somebody throws me a football, as soon as a football is in my hand, I drop into that position. 
I'm loaded up on the inside of my back foot. Hmm. I'm dropped down in a position where I can generate power with my core. I engage my core. Like it's just the most, the natural thing that happens when I get a ball in my hands, even if I'm just messing around with my kids, you give it to me, boom. It, it just, that's where I go. And for a lot of guys, that's not the case. They don't understand how to engage their core and to drop down and, and what that position is, or they get more comfortable getting out of that position thinking, you know, because a lot of guys, they go back and bounce and they think, well, if I'm bouncing back here, I'm more athletic. But once again, you don't see anybody that stands up and is bouncing and then all of a sudden they got to run out of the pocket. They've got to drop down and get loaded up and get their, you know, their weight shifted to their feet to be explosive anyways. And so um, that's something that I'm always harping on is how much of the time when the ball is in your hands, can you be in a throwing position? Justin, you're right. He's not comfortable in that position a lot. And, uh, you know, he gets out of that position and he bounces a little bit or his feet are in different places. And he's got a bit of a longer delivery at times, too. So you add all that up and it's tough to be ready and get the ball out on time um, and then be consistently accurate with it because you're always trying to rush. Because if you're not ready and all of a sudden you see a throw come open, now you've got to rush to get set and rush to get the ball out. And that's where you miss. CJ plays ready. And so when it's time to get the ball out, boom, the ball's out. And he gets it out so quick and so effortlessly. And it's a big reason why um, I, I believe he's having such great success so early. Well, and I marvel at this because obviously... If you're the GM of the Bears and you end up with the number one pick, and thank you, Arizona, for finding a way to win yesterday, Carolina is firmly ensconced at the top spot right now. And I'm not sure who they're going to beat. How they beat... The Houston Texans this year, I have no idea. You just shrug your shoulders and say the NFL, Cap. Correct. That's how that works. You Correct. Just, how does it happen? It's the NFL. So if they hand over pick number 1-1 one, one to Chicago and my guys say to me, the quarterbacks are all there. We like them all, but there's nobody clear cut. I'm taking Marvin Harrison because I got a second number one, which should be in the top five. Sure. If my guys, again, I'm Ryan Poles. If my guys come to me and say, that's the guy. Whoever that is. Whether that's Caleb Williams, Drake May, J.J. McCarthy, Michael Penix, Bo Nix, whoever. That's the guy. You got to get him. Okay. Then we got to get him. You cannot leave a franchise generational quarterback on the board if one exists. If. That's a huge if. But. Maserati Marvin, a Bears uniform with DJ Moore on the other side. Oh, blank. So who's going to get him the football? A Will Burrow? Someone's got to get him the football. Who's going to deliver that? Well, Somebody, I got the I, second number one pick. So yeah. if, if we have all four guys basically graded the same of the four that NFL.com say are the four best, in no order, Caleb Williams, Drake May, Michael Penix, J.J. McCarthy. If all four of them were like... I could take any one of them. Well, then I'll take them at number five. I'm guaranteed to get one of them. Mm -hmm. Well, at least that's the hope, right? If, if I'm picking fifth. The conventional wisdom when it comes to the NFL draft, as we well know, is if you're a bad football team, that means that your offense is not right. In this offensive league, in this league in which if you have the quarterback, that means that all is well with your football team. That's usually where you'd go first. This is why we've talked a lot, Cap, about Drake May. And we've talked about Caleb Williams and others. And you say, well, if you don't believe in Justin Fields, then you're going to have to 
try to either develop a new quarterback via the draft or acquire one via free agency. And I think that you and I, because this football team is reimagined, they need to be able to reset the quarterback situation. Unless you are going to pay Justin Fields through the nose, you feel like he's done enough, then you're going to get yourself a young quarterback. I watched in earnest North Carolina and Duke because I want to see Drake May just to sit down. It's one thing to see clips on YouTube or read about the young man, but to be able to watch him in a clutch situation, watching North Carolina defeat Duke in overtime, a a thrilling game. Uh, The fans were into it. It was just amazing to watch, Cap. This young man has it. He has it. Now, again, don't, don't take it from me. I'm a college football fan. I, you know me. I look, through, look at these guys through college eyes. Mm-hmm. You can look at it through the pro eyes. I just know from a college standpoint, that guy has a leadership. He led that team and kept that team in a position to win, and they pulled it out against Duke in a really strong game, really 36-33 in overtime. So you can say, I love Marvin Harrison because you, you love speed, and he can be a difference maker, but yet you've got to figure out who the quarterback is. And I just feel like that's where the Bears need to go. The Bears need to be able to find the next quarterback if, they, if the Bears don't believe in Justin Fields. It's got to be May. It's got to be Williams or someone like that. Has to be. I just will be, unless he just rocks the last seven games, I just think it's going to be really hard for Justin to change the narrative that I think they believe up at Hallis Hall mm-hmm. that he's not the type of guy that, as a quarterback, not as a person, as a quarterback, that they want long-term. Their opinion at this point, because it's been four long weeks, Tyson Bagent came in and really complimented that defense in a way. Won two games. I know it wasn't perfect. It wasn't pretty. But the Bears went 2-2 two and two with an undrafted Division two starter as their starting quarterback. Like, that that's something. So, yeah, we'll, we'll see. Like, I'm judging him really right now by the win and loss column, and that might not be fair, but that's where this evaluation has to reach. You can look at all the rushing yards, you can look at QBR, you can look at pass rating, completion percentage, all of that. It's time to look at the win win and loss record. That's where the development really has to come through for me at least. Do you do you think that Ryan Poles has already made a decision on Justin Fields? Or it like we keep saying hey, Justin Fields has seven games to to win us over, to win Poles over. Or do you believe that Poles has made up his mind? I think he's got seven games to, to maybe change his uh, opinion of where things are headed. I'm telling you guys, the Bears are investing a lot of time and energy looking at these quarterbacks because they have to. They have the first overall pick or should have the first overall pick because of the Carolina Panthers selection. So they have to prepare for Caleb Williams. They have to prepare – Drake May. They have to look at J.J. McCarthy. They have to prep for all the quarterbacks, the top ones coming out in this draft. And when you start looking at other quarterbacks and you start thinking about resetting this important position on your roster, it's it's hard not to, to look ahead, right? So I think Justin Fields has to step in there, play well, get some wins, kind of play complimentary football to this defense that's playing well. Then I, then I do think, yes, if you get three, four wins over this final seven-game stretch, then maybe the conversation's changed in Hallis Hall. Adam, if they decide to go in a different direction with the quarterback, do the dominoes begin to fall further as well? Like, you don't bring back the existing coaching staff if you're going to draft another quarterback with the first overall selection, do you? How about the existing head coach but changing the offensive staff to have maybe – 
you know, some chemistry from, from day one. I think maybe that's the, the road I would go down because I believe everything that Ryan Pohl said a few weeks ago about, about Matt Eberflus. Like, he mm. really believes in what he's doing behind the scenes. And then you see the actual proof with this defense, which is starting to turn it around, and he just gave an upgrade, a Montez Sweat. I think he believes in what Matt Eberflus could do defensively and maybe even culture-wise, team-wise overall. But, yes, to your point, Tom, if you're moving on from Justin Fields, you might have to move on from Luke Getty, too. So you are not of the belief that what, because I was worried about this when he first said this, and I went upstairs. I don't know if you were there that day, because um, I was going up to the to the media room asking, hey, this this worried me, because I, I, I want them to do a, a coaching search. I don't think Eberflus is the guy, Adam. But when he, when Poles said that to me, it was an over-the-top thing. And everyone says to me, well, what do you want him to do? Do you want him to tear him down? And I go, no, there's kind of a medium there. There's You can back your coach without throwing rose petals at his feet. And I felt like what Poles did that day was really give him an over-the-top endorsement. So did I just hear that correctly, John? That you're of the belief that what Poles told you is truly the way he feels about Eberflus and his long-term future. 100%. I read it the same way you did. That wasn't, Sylvia, I was there. That wasn't your typical vote of confidence, right? To use that cliche that you hear from ownership groups or, or you know, general managers and, and what have you. That was like multiple votes, votes of confidence, right? Like he went out of his way to give a very long-winded, detailed answer, in a sense, about why he likes Matt Eberflus. And you can debate the, the, the merits of that, but the, the, how long it was, how elongated it was, really stood out to me. This was a point that Ryan Poles was trying to make and really drive home to anyone who was listening or would be reading or listening on your, your radio stations, whatever have you. Like, this is a guy that Ryan Poles believes in. And I believe he believes in everything he said, too. So I read it the same way you did. Pat Aguirre, I understand you took a shit during the... (laughs) You are correct, sir. How was it? It was terrible. I find shitting is like one of the most awful things in, in my life every day. Oh, I like to take a good shit, man. And when you get to be my age, you celebrate them. <laughs> I I loathe it, and I'm a, I'm ashamed anytime there's a woman within proximity. Hell, I didn't even like shitting around you. And I was like, Aldo, I got to use your toilet. There's no way around. I know. Listen to this, Barflies. Dan is at my house. He, I'm sorry, I'm really really sorry, but I need to take a shit. <laughs> I'm like, you don't have to apologize. People take shits. It's a human thing. Go go. <laughs> Uh, it's just so it's so embarrassing but uh i remember seeing as soon as you started the the montage there i saw dan the other dan uh uh, mr shorty say something like it was a bad win over a bad team but i would respond to that by saying those are the games the bears have not been winning uh recently i mean when when you're struggling to win any games a, 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 an ugly win over a bad team is a step in the right direction. Yep. To use the cliche, you have to learn to win, right? Yep. Would you rather that be an ugly loss to a bad team? I don't think we should have to apologize for winning. So I think that that's the step we needed to take in week 10 to potentially win in week 11. We had to win against Carolina. Mm-hmm. 
or it's it's just going to unravel. So you got past that, and I I just firmly believe there's a shot on Sunday. I you know it, it's interesting because you made the point earlier that it's happened before, and we've seen even Bears teams. I mean, I go back to watching the Bears since the late '60s, so I've seen Bears teams start off at three and five, and then end up winning their last few games and leaving you with the, that hope and uh, for for the next season. So how about that 77 well, team happened. you're always that 77 team you always talk about when you had to take a shit or yeah. no, no not not the other take what's the quote again the uh, Greg Latta. Yeah the Greg Latta <laughs> thing it made you shit. Yeah the, what did they win like the last 5 6 games that year to make the that's playoffs? Ex- that's exactly right. That's exactly right. So I've I've experienced it before so it's definitely not out of the question. I think the question is, and, you know, when uh, John Santucci joins us in a few minutes, I want to get his take on this. Maybe he'll include it in his Bear State of Affairs. The question is, do we think that Justin – because that's the missing piece right now. You know, the defense is playing better. The offensive line is playing better. There are offensive weapons to score points. The thing is inconsistent quarterback play. And so in these last seven games, can Justin average 225 yards passing, two touchdowns, one uh, 0.5 rushing t- touchdowns over these last seven games, play at that consistent level? Because if he does, this team will win the majority, if not all of their games. And we will have the riddle solved as to who is going to be our quarterback in 2024, and we can start adding more weapons on offense and defense through free agency and draft picks. That's the major storyline right now. And I just hope, I will, I hate to say this, I hate to say this, but if the Bears lose a close one to the Lions and Justin Fields has a tremendous day, I will be okay. I'm a little bit happy. I'm a little bit happy because I, he still has to prove for six more games. But that's that's the the major storyline. Is Justin our guy? You and I this season we've gotten really really down on Justin, and so hopefully these last four games off, he's seen how the offense works with a different quarterback in there. He's been on the headsets. He's looked at the game from a different perspective. Hopefully now he gets on the field, he makes quick decisions, he gets rid of the ball quickly, he doesn't turn the ball over, he doesn't fumble, he doesn't throw interceptions, and he and he finds that open man. Uh, so people in the chat room are saying, man, you are really fucked up. <laughs> C-sharp77, my head is about to explode because I can't express my hate for the anti-fields chatter enough by simply typing it. I want to scream. You know, that that's sharp. You know, that comes along with the territory. You got to put it all into context. A franchise that's never in the modern in modern history had a franchise quarterback. Harbaugh should have been it, but, I mean, excuse me, uh, McMahon should have been that guy, but he got injured too often. Cutler should have been that guy, but he was an asshole. Uh, who else? Uh, Trubisky should have been that guy, but he really wasn't very talented. <laughs> Rex. Rex. What do you think about Rex? If if give me the elevator pitch or elevator length soundbite on your thoughts on Rex Grossman as a quarterback. Twenty one and fourteen as a starter, 
took us to the Super Bowl, and you can say, oh, it's all about the defense, but he he set up Rasheed Davis with that big pass on third down to beat the Seahawks, Robbie's field goal, and had that big drive culminating in a touchdown against the Saints to Bernard Berry, and it was five for five on that drive. He played well enough for us to go to the Super Bowl. It wasn't like they just didn't have somebody back there, but he played poorly in the Super Bowl, and that defined his legacy, unfortunately. But had he stayed healthy, and like Greg said, he could move if he had all of his movement with his ankle and stuff. Maybe he wasn't tall enough, but I still think he played well enough for us to win games if you have the Bears defense there in place that they did at the time. Yeah. That's a guy who, you know, those first two or three seasons where he had those unfortunate injuries, that, that to me really took a toll on his career. I, I just think when you start off your NFL career with those kind of injuries, it, it re- for lack of a better word, it retards the growing process of becoming an NFL quarterback. You buy into that? I mean, that's what Greg said too. And, you know, who am I to say that, you know, that they're wrong and I, and I know more, right. I, I just know that I thought that they pulled the, the plug on him too quickly. It was after week three in 07 that they benched him, you know, and went to greasy and then went to Orton. And I mean, I don't know if I would have given up on him as quickly as they did. Yeah. I have that same feeling actually about, I know you're going to hate this, Kyle Orton. Well, I, thought, I, I disagree with KO, but yeah. See, the thing is, is that he he had a one loss record that was impressive. He managed teams. And so I'm thinking to myself, we should have kept Kyle Orton and drafted a quarterback as opposed to trading for a quarterback and trading away all those assets. You know, you, Orton proved that he can he can win games for you. And but he had a big game in week 17 at Houston and had a lead. And it's like, all you have to do is win to get in in that game. And, and then he shit the bed. So that's why Jerry's like, we got to get another quarterback. He can't win in the clutch. And and he was Mr. Screen Pass. He was checked down, to use a cliche, checked down Charlie when he was at the Bears. Now, Denver had him throwing the rock a little bit around, a little bit out there. But McDaniel, I mean, Josh McDaniels was fired pretty quickly, and that ended. It's not like he was winning any games in Denver. Mm-hmm. I make the color trade all day, all day, every day. Jay's a 100% better than Kyle Orton ever would be. Kyle might be a better guy and all that. I can't say that. But Cutler was a better talent. And to bring it full circle, I think Fields is a better talent than Bajan. Oh, but yeah. but it, he has to know. Justin, ha- he's heard. He knows. Uh, I'm sure he has no problem with Bajan when he looks over him in the locker room. But I know that he knows there's so many people that just like Tyson's story. Oh, the yeah. arm wrestling dad. And the, people would like to see me fail right now. People mm-hmm. would like to see oh, the Bears go and draft somebody else or turn it over to the kid from West Virginia or whatever. He has to know the story. So he has to know this is his last chance here in Chicago, a last chance to put his dick in everybody's mouth and say, fuck you and get the contract. So oh, that's God. That's what I'm hoping for right now, man. I want Fields to come back and prove that he's the guy. And I'm exhausted with all this debate over, you know, Bajan or Fields, and and then people bring race into it, mm-hmm. you know. And I can't say that there aren't white people opposing Fields because of his race. I'm sure there's some of that too, but you almost there's some podcasts where they basically say if you have anything negative to say about Justin, it's because you're a bigot. So it's it's all exhausting. All I yes. can tell you is that I'm a fan of the Chicago Bears. I'm a fan of Justin Fields. 
right? And I want to win. And I think that this is the best case scenario for him to come back now. I mean, he's had five weeks off. So, and he's been throwing the ball. If he was that far off, they wouldn't let him come back. You know, you're like, oh, he's going to be rusty. He's going to be rusty. But if it's like, if he was in pain every other throw, they wouldn't let him come back. So he must be fairly decently healthy. You know, it's going to be indoors. It's a division game with everything on the line. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm behind him, man. I want him to come back and play well and win. Yeah. All right. You know what time it is, right, Dan Aguirre? It must be time for the Bears State of Affairs. Is it live or is it live to tape? It's going to be live, and let's bring him in now. Turn your mic on. Turn your mic on. There he is. Hey, he's got a good background. How about that? I'm, at, a, I'm at Aaron Mikulski's house. <laughs> <laughs> that yeah. is green screen, and it looks fucking great, man. It yeah, I like got a new laptop. Yep. Nice. Very fucking nice. Yeah. Yeah, Did I was. You get a uh, raise or something? No, nah, they they made me uh, get this one at work. I said you're due for a, a laptop upgrade. Wow. So, it's, so it's right behind yeah, your so. head. Uh, That's a TV. Oh, it yeah. looks like you're in Christopher Reeve's wheelchair there for a minute. <laughs> <laughs> I got some bad news. You guys uh, had an accident this weekend, and, and I was kidding. <laughs> oh my god, you scared me. That's why I don't ride horses. If Superman could get paralyzed riding horses, what the fuck would happen to me? Yeah, I'm just glad that uh, Dick and everybody's mouth wasn't the segue into my bit. <laughs> Yeah, no more dicks in people's mouths. <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah, that seems to put uh, people the wrong way. They they get rubbed the wrong way. Yeah, no, that, that doctor wasn't lying. They really had to go up your dick for the procedure. Damn, you couldn't, you couldn't find a different way in, huh? No, it, it did it in the groin area, which is just to the, the okay. left or right of the, the penis. So, uh, okay. Jesus Christ. It didn't fuck with my dick. Other than the nurse did wipe it down, so that was pretty cool. <laughs> Omar Barrio says that. Like spot, honey. <laughs> yeah, really. Can you do the undercarriage, too? <laughs> yeah. I, you know, uh, great people over at Community Hospital. Um, I've, I've now <coughs> been their way up more often than I care to admit, but uh, they've always taken good care of me. So thank you. But to those folks, I think they're in they're in Arlington Heights, uh, not too far away from the future home of the Chicago Bears. Uh, yeah. Tooch, what do you got for us? You got a Bear State of Affairs? Ready to roll. All right, man. Here it comes. We're going to roll the video, and it looks like this. All right, Bears State of Affairs hanging in my man cave. 2023 NFL season week 11. What's happening, Bar Flies? Well, the Bears played their 10th game of the season on the road versus the Carolina Panthers on Thursday night football, and they won. It was their third win of the season. It wasn't pretty, but the Bears came out on top 16 to 13 to prove their 2023 season record to 3 and 7, led by running back Dante Foreman and quarterback Tyson Bagent, who won his second career game. Of course, we all know what this means. We're in that part of the Bears cycle where the Bears beat up on a bad team. The head coach gets to keep his job for another week. 
And then we will be at that part of the cycle where we suffer an embarrassing loss versus a good team. In this case, that would mean the Bears are set to fall to the Lions in Detroit this Sunday. And look, I know the Bears played the Lions tough around this time last year, coming up short 30-31, to 31, the difference being a missed extra point by Poppy Santos. But the last time we played the Lions, it was a 41-10 loss last January. Bears actually led that game 10-7 after the first quarter. But after that, the team was outscored 34 to nothing. So that is where the Bears find themselves this week, preparing for the Lions, who are riding high after beating Justin Herbert and the Chargers. But looking on the bright side, the Bears already have as many wins as they did last year, with seven games remaining. They have a chance to improve on last year's record, but the next four games are going to be tough. Two games versus the Lions, a game against the Vikings, and a game against the Browns, who sacked Justin Fields one million times the last time the Bears went to Cleveland. Not to mention that Browns fans at the game thought Dan and Aldo were a gay couple. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it was bad. (laughs) These next next few games will be critical in determining if modest improvement will be enough to save Matt Eberflus's job. That seems to be the big question to a weary Bears fan base. However, the more pressing and immediate question is, when will Justin Fields return to the starting lineup? In his most recent Bears press conference, Coach Eberflus seemed unable to answer that straightforward question. (laughs) Yep. And while Bears quarterback Justin Fields participated in a light practice that consisted solely of individual drills on Monday, His status for Sunday's game in Detroit won't be determined until at least midweek. Fields has missed the last four games with a dislocated right thumb that he sustained October 15th against the Vikings. He likely won't be cleared to start versus the Lions until he participates in 11-on-11 drills in tomorrow's practice. The Bears fans will likely agree that the next few games are critical for both Fields and Eberflus, who probably didn't realize just how closely their respective fates would be intertwined this season when the season began. And really, the evaluation of both Eberflus and Fields for the remainder of the season is the single most important task facing the Bears. The Bears may or may not be done with Eberflus, but they 100% have to find out if Justin Fields is the guy. After Sunday's victory over the Panthers, the Bears now hold the first and fifth picks in next year's draft, So whether or not they reset at the quarterback position or stay with Justin Fields is the big question for the rest of the season. The answer to that question in itself will likely determine the fate of both coach and quarterback. So let's not beat around the bush. Both Eberflus and Fields have a virtual gauntlet to run through these next four games where each game will be against a team with a winning record. Neither of them has fared very well versus teams with a winning record. Eberflus is winless versus the NFC North his defense has allowed 58 points combined versus the Lions, and he is 1-10 versus teams with the winning records. And Fields will face a top-10 defense three out of four of the games and has a terrible record versus teams with the top-10 defenses. The last time Fields went to Detroit, he threw for 75 yards, a pick six, lost a fumble, and got sacked seven times. This is a crucial turning point. Eberflus and Fields will be facing immense pressure. Whether or not they crumble remains to be seen. So the next 30 days may very well determine the fate of the Bears organization. And that is Bears State of Affairs. You know, you know what you
Sorry. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Aldo. Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> on the outro my apologies uh Uh, you were talking about we'll find out midweek do you think i was thinking as soon as you said that it came to my head i bet the bears play fucking games the rest of the week like they'll have them listed as questionable so we probably won't know until sunday like 90 minutes before the game if he's actually playing what do you think yeah i'm afraid you're right it's been uh eberflus's mo for for the last few weeks you know, well, just, most most coaches yeah. do that because they want the, the competitor to prepare for both quarterbacks. And right. given that these quarterbacks are so different, you know, you're you're asking them to put another two, four, six hours worth of studying tape. So from a competitive standpoint, it sort of makes sense, but it's the Bears. You know? <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> I don't know what to think of, of uh, your cycle that you always reference. It, yeah, obviously, well, it's based on got that somewhere. I think, right? It's yeah, I got it's it. Cycle, yes. Go ahead, Dan. It obviously has proven true at various points, and it's almost like homeostasis and or cellular respiration. Now it's just like <laughs> the photosynthesis. You know, it's all these fucking. But I, I think I really believe that this is our week to 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 uh, repudiate that mm-hmm. and to get a big win. I, I mean. If I were if I were telling you this is what we need to get back in it divisional games, you know meaningful games with your quarterback back. I mean I, I'm glad it's division games right now. That's that gives us a chance. Is what I'm saying. If we were just playing some AFC games right now, it would be less meaningful. Mm-hmm. So I think that the Bears have a chance to to get rid of this fucking cycle and get back in it. And I would love it. I am going to try to to put hope. I'm goddamn! I'm Barack Obama in 2007 right now. We're uh, <laughs> yes, we can. We're at uh, yes, we can. <laughs> nine o'clock. There we're at nine o'clock. Coach keeps his job for another week. <laughs> you know? There you go. I mean the, uh, the the Lions looked pretty good against the uh, uh, Chargers. Didn't seem to have much uh, uh, problem with that Chargers pass rush that was uh, you know given given the Bears fits. But uh, you know, I mean. Look, the Lions have a really good offensive line, so mm-hmm. um, it's not that surprising that uh, they probably know, used a backup fullback to single-handedly take Khalil Mack out of the game. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, I mean, for the that game, the practice squad for that game, ninety percent of the money was on the Lions. You know, so uh, it, you normally you would think you know Vegas usually comes through fading the public and. The Chargers were supposed to win that game, but the public was right that game. So, you know, Lions, uh, Lions came through, uh, came through with uh, the victory in that one. But what do you think about Omar's question here? What happens if Bajan comes out and beats the Lions? If, of course, he gets the nod. What do you guys think? You got to go back to Fields either way, uh, because, like Tooch was saying, you've got to figure out the draft is. I mean, it's. Uh, yeah, you know, it's it's like six no months what. away, but it's soon in terms of the football calendar. So mm-hmm. when this seven games and hopefully yeah, maybe that. <laughs> maybe a wild card game when when that dissipates pretty quickly, you gotta you gotta you know the the investment on Justin Fields is so much. Know. Yeah, you gotta know you gotta know, and the last thing yep. that the organization and especially us fans want to live through 
is that he ends up with another team and he ends up being Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> I mean, wouldn't you want to com- commit Harry Carry or whatever the fuck it's called when you kill yourself in a That's, Japanese ritual? <laughs> if uh, if Bajan wins next week, if Bajan starts and wins next week, like that Bears Twitter will explode, man. Like, oh my give me god, that guys! Uh, like it, I'm afraid for ill will. Seventy nine. Why can't we I just might... be happy and root for both guys? <laughs> exactly. I don't yeah. understand why so many people are one or the other. I just don't yeah. get it. <laughs> Nathan Peterson comes in. I'll root for him. Yeah. Who was, who was the guy that came in last year? Uh, I, I think I game? saw him on Sunday on another team. I forget who no. it was. Something Boyle. Yeah. Tim Boyle. Tim Boyle. Tim Boyle. That's him, yes. Yeah, I saw him somewhere else. I was like, there's that bum that was at the game I was at. <laughs> yeah, I, th- I think he started his career with the pa- Packers and then made his More way. reason to hate him. More reason to hate him. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah, whether, whether or not Bajant wins, I mean, Fields has to get his job back because mm-hmm. too much rests on finding out whether or not Fields is the guy, like I said. Right. Just uh, we, we know what Bajan is right now in this point of time. He's a rookie, a Division mm-hmm. II rookie who's, you know, arguably, I mean, I saw some stats the other day that uh, his sack rate is like 3.8%, and Justin Fields is like three or four times that much his sack percentage. But Tim Boyle is a New York Jet. I knew I saw him. I thought he was on the Jets, yeah. I wanted to say Jets. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, look, Bajan does what he's supposed to do and gets rid of the ball, but – he still can't, you know, he, he's still so green, you know. Yeah, and, and Fields is, is going into a final year of his contract. I mean, you have to find out. You spent a number 10 overall, number 11 overall pick on Fields. You have to find out what he is. Right. And at the very least, maybe Fields comes back in. I know some people don't want to hear this, but maybe he comes back in and just completely shits the bed. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's there's a chance in that, but that's what we need to know. Right. We need to see – him either come back and succeed or play terribly, whatever it is, so that they can make the right decision on the draft. And right. I hope that he makes their mind up for them and is like, man, I'm balling so much. You have to stick with me. That's what I hope. Because like everyone says, it'd be great to take Marvin Harrison's son right there, right? Yeah. Uh, and and maybe take a tackle uh, or a center. Or not that you're going to take a center maybe that high, but still, build on your offensive line and have that wide receiver, that'd be great if you could say, all right, we feel comfortable with Justin and not have to take one of the quarterbacks. And then you get more picks. If the Bears end up by some twist of fate to have the top two picks, don't you have to kind of take Marvin Harrison, another quarterback, and reset? I mean, you know. Well, that depends on what Fields does. It depends on what Fields does. But, yeah, let's say. Let's say if he, uh, if he shits the bed like Dan yeah. just said, yeah, yeah. I, I agree. You got to. Yeah, if you if, do if, that. Uh, if he hasn't like I, I read the stats off for his last game, like seventy-five yards of pick six and a fumble against mm-hmm. the Lions last time. We, we lost what forty-one to ten. Right. And, yeah, Komet uh, had the touchdown that day. Right. But you know, going back to what it was in your mashup, Aldo, I think yep. it was the Adam John segment. Uh, do you think I'll ask both of you then? If they're going to draft a quarterback, doesn't that mean they're pretty much going to have to hire a new coach too? Yes. There's no fucking way that you bring in a new quarterback and you have the same coach who you then might fire if they get if they're 0 and 17 the following year. You got to marry at the very least, you got to marry the offensive coordinator with the new quarterback. 
And, and that yeah. offensive coordinator has to be a part of the discussion as to who you are going to draft. And before Tooch shares his opinion here, one of the interesting things about this draft, as I've been kind of digging more into it lately, is that there are some other quarterbacks who could end up being really good in, in, in the NFL. Bo yep. Nix, Michael Penix, yep. uh, the kid from Duke, uh, the kid from Michigan, J.J. McCarthy, yeah. uh, the kid from Colorado if he comes out, Sanders. Yeah. So there are some and then this kid uh, from LSU, Jaden uh, uh, Daniels. I mean, somebody on Twitter put up how uh, he has like 79 passes of 15 yards or more explosive plays. And that is so much more like Caleb Williams has 55. So he's got like 20 more. This kid's from LSU, so he's playing good talent. So – there could be a hidden gem in the middle of the first round or even the second round. Uh, so I'm kind of excited about the possibility. If Fields plays so-so and you still want to give him some more time, then uh, go ahead and, and draft Marvin Harrison, trade down a little bit with that other first-round draft pick, add a second-rounder or, or mid to, to late first rounder, and one of those two picks, you pick one of these other quarterbacks that you think you can develop into a quality NFL team. I think that would be a good plan. But, Tooch, I, I took a long time there. Please answer uh, Dan's question, which we all question, probably forgot. <laughs> I forgot the question. <laughs> I was saying that if you're going to – if you're going to move on from Justin and draft a quarterback, you have to just go ahead and make a coaching change, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely, hundred percent. I mean, look, this uh, uh, coaching staff is not my favorite, although I just, you know, I, I, I just I don't have any faith in Eberflus and his staff. Uh, we've just had a series of of coaching staffs that have been awful. But we have to point out since he brought in that old man Snow. The last five games, the defense has turned up and gotten better. Yeah, yeah the, I mean, the Bears' run defense has been shored up. Uh, they're getting pressure on the quarterback since we brought in Montez Sweat. You know, uh, I think Mike North mentioned that in his presser this morning, talking about how Montez Sweat's commanding the double team, allowing other guys. Uh, I mean, look, there's a lot of players, not just Justin Fields, not just Matt, and not just Matt Eberflus, that have uh, things to prove. You know, uh, Tremaine Edwards, who spent a lot of money on him, arguably hasn't played, uh, arguably been outplayed by Jack Sanborn. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, Yannick Ngakwe has had uh, a lot of sacks uh, throughout his career, just hasn't had many here. Uh, Has he got so, 2.5 with us? I think, I think so, something like that. I mean, there are a lot of guys. Uh, Nate Davis has been injured, played well when he was in there. Uh, you know, these are all, all uh, play. Demarcus Walker, we gave him like three years and 21 million. Uh, he's yeah. he hasn't done much. Uh, Jalen Johnson, of course, is in the last year looking for a new contract. There's so many questions right now. It's uh, yeah, all those defensive linemen, Tooch. You know, I think Montez Sweat is the key. You know, because it appears, at least against the lowly competition they had on Thursday night, that he triggered. You know, his his work helped to trigger those guys to really put pressure uh, on the quarterback. And so, if he can continue that, especially against a good Detroit Lions uh, offensive line, it, it's probably the best in the NFL. If he can, if the Bears defensive line puts pressure on Jared Goff this week, that will be almost as big as Justin Fields going out and throwing for 300 yards and three touchdowns. 
I mean, that would be huge because that's the offensive line we're going to be facing for the next five to ten years. That the, All those are, are young guys who are super talented with the Lions, and they're the trigger for that offense, not only with their passing, but also with their running game. I mean, Montgomery and Jameer Gibbs, both of them, you know, rushed for long touchdowns. Uh, uh, Montgomery had over 100. I think Gibbs just slightly had. Yeah, Gibbs had over 100, too. That's a scary combo, man. Yeah, wait till they get a receiver opposite Amon Ross St. Brown. You know, I mean, I tried to draft one with Jamison Williams. He's been injured. Mm -hmm. Uh, But, uh, yeah, they they, uh, uh, get another big weapon. Mm -hmm. Wait till uh, they see our scary combo of Foreman and and Herbert on Sunday. That's right, baby. They've got to go with just two of them. What they did early in the year, giving all three of them snaps, was stupid because you never got into a rhythm. And Foreman was inactive all those games, too. Like, I think he's earned his keep. I mean, can somebody else say that? I mean, Foreman should be active the rest of the year. He was active against the Packers, all three, Rashawn. Uh, uh, Yeah, yeah, but then he was inactive like weeks two through four four or five, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think he's earned his his keep the rest of the way. I think he's been the best back we have, period. I I totally, totally agree with you. Totally agree with you. Um and I I don't I really don't mind. I mean Khalil Herbert deserves the shot. He's averaging over five yards a carry. So to if once he's healthy, to put him inactive or not give him any snaps would be kind of foolish. Let him especially know, if the blazing shot. game is still uh, inactive this week. Yeah, I think then, so. Yeah, so it's not going to hurt to have all three of them active if your yeah. fullback's out too. But you have to think they're going to cut Bayless to to activate uh, Herbert. Yeah, they'll probably release Bayless uh, and then bring him back and stash him in the practice squad or something. Yeah, because like nobody that. wants that motherfucker. Yeah, nobody's <laughs> going to touch him. <laughs> they'll probably they'll probably clear waivers. <laughs> Absolutely, you can bet on that. Hey, uh, you're uh, I I gotta tell you, Tooch. Your fucking green screen is like one of the best yeah, I've ever good. seen on yeah. a streaming show. It really is fucking good. You uh, lit it well, and that's a big part of it. You got a nice light on it. Yep. It's it's really well done, bro. Got a nice ring light shining right on me. As if I were in a you know a TV studio where they have the bright lights, you know. Absolutely. Yep. Gotta do that. Dan, if you were able to do that, what would you use as your background? I'm imagining like a brothel. No, no. <laughs> Just kidding. I like that. Like he said, Mikulski's, uh Aaron Mikulski's house has got that those the bear stripes there legitimately in his man cave. I, I think this is Aaron's I found on Google. <laughs> you know, I'll have to ask him. I will send him a send him a picture. I'm sure he watches the show. He'll like be texting me. Hey, what are you what are you doing in my house? Get out. I remember <laughs> the one time I went to the NFL Hall of Fame, they took a picture. You know how, like, if you'd be on Sports Center, they would show like the player and the logo beside him, but yeah. they only put the NFL logo beside me. I was like, "Can I get the Bears logo beside me?" Uh-huh. And they they wouldn't do it, man. Is that to be the NFL logo? Oh, that sucks. <laughs> yeah. Oh, all right. We got about forty minutes left. You guys want to turn our attention to movies and TV, or you got any I'm more? Bears full frontal bush. No one wants to hear about blowjobs. <laughs> so, how Tell about? Us- <laughs> Tell us about that movie with Jennifer yeah. Lopez. I did Jennifer see Lawrence. Jennifer Lawrence. Wild, yeah. Jennifer Lawrence. That's what I meant. Um, and I looked it uh, up, and she said that was really her. Yeah, that wasn't so, a body double. So tell wow. people what you're talking about. She's in a she's in the water with this guy, mm-hmm. 
I'll go back on the script in a second and tell you the story, but she's in the water with this kid and, and they're, they're skinny dipping mm -hmm. and some kids come and steal their clothes. She goes running out of the water, butt ass naked, pubic hair, tits, ass, all of it, and fights them over her clothes. A great scene. And one girl punches her in, in the vulva. Yeah. It goes low. That was funny. Wow. And then she does like a, a Brock Lesnar belly to belly suplex on one of the dudes. <laughs> it was just so funny and unexpected. In the story, she's having problems with money. And Matthew Broderick uh, basically is like, my kid's going to college and he's, you know, he's never had any pussy. And he's, he's just so, all he does is play video games. Just pretend to like him and we'll give you a car that we're, because we'll give you the car. You need a car. So maybe you fuck him, maybe you don't, but just make him look at women and get off of his phone and be mm -hmm. ready for college. So she's trying to fuck this 19 year old boy and make him like her. But again, he's, I think it's implied that he's a virgin, but he's definitely more worried about other things that, you know, millennials are like games and right. shit like that. And then eventually he does want to have feelings for her before he does it. But that's the general premise is she's trying to fuck him for a car. I know it's a rated R movie, so it's a raunchy it's sex comedy, but I enjoyed it. <laughs> it's really, really well done. I really enjoyed it. Can you guys hear me okay? My computer just went wacky. And yeah, yeah, I hear you fine. Yep. All right. I'm going to step away and I'll be right back. I, I found the picture of Jennifer Lawrence that's it's got the black stripes over her, her titties and stuff, but I can't load it right now. I'll be right back, though. So you watched okay. the movie, too? I haven't. Uh, oh. What's the name of it again? It, and it, I'm in, I, do I have to go to the theater to see it? No, no. Right now, it's on Netflix. Oh, okay, all right. It's already been at the theater, but it's on Netflix. It's called um, uh, No Hard Feelings. No Hard Feelings. Okay, I'll have to load it up in there. I, I didn't know uh, where to find I was looking looking on real streams. Yeah, it went to the theater in June. Okay. Uh, yeah, on the, the, the promotional poster, it's Jennifer Lawrence and the kid, and it says pretty for Jennifer and awkward for the boy. So it's showing you that dichotomy. And he legitimately is born in like oh three or four or something, and she's born in you know what ninety. So there is a huge age uh, gap there, which is part of the story too. It, it's a typical rated R raunchy comedy, but again, it's on Netflix. If you already have it, it's free for you. It's definitely an enjoyable watch. Yes, I I totally agree. It is an enjoyable watch. I did have problems with the last act of the movie the last 30 minutes or so i thought it, it there could have been a better resolution to it and i won't give anything away but i don't know if you feel this way dan that that the last the conclusion of the movie could have been better made don't you think well at the end of the day at least um there's no hostility you know they they work that out i guess so it, it's sort of a happy ending mm -hmm. which i like as like you said i'm not trying to spoil it for anybody Right. You 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 hated the fact that she went to God and, and said, forgive me for my <laughs> No, don't I'm just playing. <laughs> no, 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 I know, I know. Oh my god. She's really I, skinny there. I wondered I wonder when I saw it though, did did they superimpose the pubic hair, I wonder. Yeah, I wondered that too. I wondered if you know they did some CGI work, you know. But it, apparently, you said you read an article or saw a video where she claims she really ran around naked. Yeah, she said it was her body. It wasn't um, a body double, but she wasn't asked specifically 
if she had fake pubic hair. I remember reading an article, like switching topics just for a second, where Jennifer Connolly said that she wore some type of wig. A merkin. uh, For uh, fake pubic hair for a film. Yeah, it's called a merkin. A merkin, really? I've never heard of that. M-E-R-K-I-N. Yeah, look it up. Merkin. It's like a pubic hair wig. (laughs) True. It's like a cod piece for men. How did you find out about this? <laughs> I don't know. I don't remember. Just like uh, someone, maybe uh, another movie where someone wore one. They're like, she's actually wearing a merkin, dude, or something. You know? <laughs> I was like, what the wild. fuck is a merkin? You know, and then I had to look it up. Yeah, it sounds like a moving company or storage yeah. company. Zach Sullivan says they wear a wig <laughs> down there. He's right. Some of them. Because there hilarious. was what was that movie where she was like a Russian ballerina spy or something like that? She was oh, like, Red Red Sparrow. Yeah, <laughs> she was like shaven in that one, so it's possible it was a Merkin in this one. Could be. I mean, all she had to do was really grow it out. I mean, that's unless not... she has alopecia down there. <laughs> <laughs> she has an entanglement with her pubic hair. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I looked up Merkin, and, and Dan, or excuse me, John is indeed correct. There's a picture of a Merkin. <laughs> God, <laughs> it looks like something that's literally alive. <laughs> <laughs> it looks like Ron Howard's pubic hair, all the hair. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, all right, guys, I got to tell you something. Yeah. I, I saw a, 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 a miniseries that is two or three years old and i had it on my list and i've always wanted to see it and uh, i said fuck it i'm gonna give it a shot i fucking fell in love with it and you'll know why as soon as i say who stars in it but it is the queen's gambit oh, yeah. uh, i oh recommended this one gosh. back then yeah it's yes killer. you did that's that's, that's correct a, i remember that's that. dan dan aguire's girlfriend pretend girlfriend and yeah. joy Anna anya Anya, Anya Taylor Joy. That's yeah. my girlfriend. Dan yeah. can't touch her. <laughs> yeah, it's a sports movie. It really is. It, is. it really great. is. Yeah, but it it, it works on many sport. levels. Yeah. I'm gonna try oh, yeah. to try to talk highly of it so that That's Dan killer. will give it a chance because so I, I think that. Now, what is it? What is it on? She. This woman. It's on Netflix. Was it? It's on Netflix. Netflix. Okay. This woman uh, grew up, and when she was a child, her mom. Uh, did something bad, and she ends up in the orphanage. I won't say what she did because it's it's revealed in the last yep. episode, seven episodes. And uh, this little girl uh, finds she goes down to the basement yeah. to clean the some janitor. erasers, and the janitor is playing chess, and yeah. she says, "Teach me." Yep. And he does the basics of the game, and he quickly yeah. realizes this kid. Fucking knows her. Who shit. was uh, I forgot who played the janitor? It was an, another actor too. Oh, right? Camp. Camp is his last. Yeah, name. yeah. Bill Camp. He was in Bill the Camp. Sound of Freedom. Yeah. Oh, I love that, that guy. That's, yeah. that's going bald, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah I he's like him too. A great yeah, he's, voice. He's, he's yeah, great. Yeah. He was so on he that plays, HBO series or mini series, The Night, The, the night, night of. The Night of. Yep. Yeah, yeah. that he's that's really good it, in that. That was really like his breakout. Yeah, I think so. I would say so. Uh, but he so he plays sort of the Obi Wan Kenobi. He is the older guy giving advice and stuff. And sometimes she she recollects things that he says, especially when she's going through a tough time. So she ends up uh, 
the, all the kids in this orphanage are given two pills a day. One of them is a nutrient vitamin pill. And the other one is a sedative because they want to control all the kids. These fucking kids are running around going, wow. It's like, they, well, they gave them a, a downer. And so it's like two treats kids, right? <laughs> Mel melatonin gummies. <laughs> exactly. So she gets hooked on these and she loves them because when she goes to bed, she looks up at the ceiling oh, yeah. and she sees the chess the pieces chessboard. and she yeah. can play a game of chess and remember she's got this great so faculty good. to remember stuff oh it is so fucking yeah. good yeah. and then when she gets older that's when anya taylor joy comes in and that's when my dick got really hard painful <laughs> <laughs> hard on from the, from the surgery i was playing with she's playing chess and i'm playing with my bishop <laughs> but i highly recommend it it's really really well uh, dan you would you would love it danny yes, yes. so good well, man. I, maybe i'll check you. it out yeah. starting next week then i have one more week possibly of uh high school football prep to do and then I'll have a lot more time when that ends. Uh, so maybe I'll watch that. But I've got Eric Kramer's book to read, too. I just got it. Right. Oh, and, yeah, yeah, so I'm really looking forward to, to reading that, too. But, yeah, I, I'll watch it then. Cool. Yeah, we, we all saw The Killer, too, I think, right? The yeah, I watched The Killer. I thought David it was Fincher. It was typical Fincher with the dialogue the first, yeah, like, 15 right. minutes. Yep. I mean, I mean that in a good way. Uh, you could tell it was a, almost a Fincher film with yeah. – it felt like Fight Club. It almost reminds me of like the shit Edward yep. Norton was saying. Yep, very much so. So the the ending is a little controversial, though. You know, I was I don't know. I I want to ask you guys what you thought of the ending. Like, why did he do what he did? You know, uh, when he when he, when watch, he when, watch it first. I think it'll yeah. be a better conversation. Well, yeah. When he when he when he confronts Arliss Howard, you know, mm -hmm. the actor who was he played cowboy in Full Metal Jacket. Yeah, you know, now he's old and stuff mm -hmm. now. And he he was in Natural Born Killers as well. Natural Born Killers, right. yeah. Uh, uh, the uh, Brian De Palma movie uh, wasn't, no, that wasn't him. Anyway, he's a good actor. But yeah, yeah his best role probably was uh, na uh, Natural Born Killers yeah. and and the Kubrick movie. Yeah, Full yeah. Metal Jacket, yep. Yeah. Um. All right, I got another one that I saw. And... Yeah, I do too. I saw another one too. Oh, and this was on uh, Tucci's suggestion. Uh, Scream, the new Scream that came out in 2023. There's a new one that came out. Or uh, 2022. You're, you're talking Scream Five or Scream Six? Well, the, which one came out last year? Six, I well, believe. One of the main, that was Dan's the main recommendation, though. I okay, think, right? that was yeah. Dan. Well, Scream That's Six where... does not have Nev Campbell in it. Scream Five, she was back in it. Okay, so I saw five. All I right, well, five. six is really good. Okay, so I got to tell you real quickly regarding five. I got about, I don't know, at a certain point in the movie, I got tired with all the fucking statics. I was like, <laughs> come on, Jesus Christ. I mean, it's getting to the point where I'm feeling uncomfortable seeing all these stabbings. And maybe in my older age, I'm yeah. becoming more sensitive to on-screen violence, especially that type where... You know, and, and I understand the premise of the movie. It's a joke. It's a joke about the making of horror movies and, and stuff. Yep. But I, I just started to get kind of uncomfortable. So I didn't like it as much as Dan Aguirre did. Well, Tooch, what'd you think of it? I, I haven't seen it yet, honestly. Okay. Yeah, I, I told off. Uh, there's other good stuff. One of the main characters, one of the legacy characters dies in Scream 6. That's right. That's right. That was good. I, I was hoping they would all die. <laughs> well, that's why you're talking about five. I'm talking about the next one. One of the main characters dies in the sixth one. And that, that young girl is the one that it's really getting a push in Hollywood right now. She was Wayne's Day 
and and that Adam's family spinoff show called Wednesday. Yes, and uh, she's uh, and going to be Winona Ryder's daughter in Beetlejuice too. Mm-hmm. Uh, what the hell is her name? She, uh, Jenna Ortega. Yeah, yeah, she was in the. She's the new like you know last girl, the final girl in the screen movies. Yeah. Now I saw her in a movie. Uh, and Tooch, I know we got to get to you, to, to, but I gotta share this movie before I forget. Jenna Ortega was in a small budget horror movie where she's a member of the film crew doing a porno movie in the 1970s. Is that X? X. There you go. X. Yeah, that's a good film. I enjoyed it. Yeah, I I loved it, man. And Jenna Ortega plays. She plays that young girl who's very quiet. She's gonna hold the mic in the porn scenes, and as they're doing more fi- filming, she starts to get kind of horny, and she says, "I want to yeah. be in a movie." <laughs> that dude gets mad too. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> the boyfriend gets mad. Yeah. Right. The boyfriend is the director, so he brings his girlfriend to hold the microphone, and all of a sudden, she wants to fuck the, the black guy with the big cock. <laughs> 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 it's a really, really good movie with great. Uh, I didn't mind the, the special effects in that one. That, that one had a lot of blood. Anyway, Tooch, what what you have? I saw um I saw like three B movies, so kind of throwaways, but they were all fairly decent. Mm-hmm. Uh, the best one I think was probably called uh, the Last Sentinel, and it's like about this uh, four four uh, uh, soldiers or whatever. They're they're on this. Uh, it looks like an oil offshore oil rig, mm-hmm. but it's a uh, it's an, an army outpost. You know, it's like raised above, and there there's been some kind of like uh, war or something, and they're they're waiting for their replacements to come out and you know uh, relieve them so they can go home. And uh, the ship never comes, you know, and stuff. And uh, you know they're running out of supplies, and you know they, they they find a ship that comes, go out and explore it and stuff. And there's you know, there's a series of events and stuff like maybe maybe uh, there's nobody alive back home, you know, mm-hmm. after such happened. You know, maybe, you know, everybody's we're the old last people alive and all this stuff, you know, and it's it's one of those kind of dramas and stuff it has a it has a twist ending with, you know, uh, double agents and all this stuff. And what's what cool. happens and stuff. Very cool. And then, uh, the other one's called uh, No One Will Save You with uh, uh, Caitlin Deaver. And that's mm-hmm. about uh, a lady who she had a troubled past. uh she writes letters to her best friend who we uh we assume before we find out that her best friend had died you know we don't know at first but then as it goes on you know it's fine you know and she lives alone she's lonely and uh, uh an alien ship you know an alien invades her house while she's sleeping at night and walking around mm-hmm. it's really scary and mm-hmm. stuff and you know it's a whole kind of like uh mars attacks but not funny you know kind of uh, <laughs> a- alien invasion of a small town, America the has special effects. Good, they're 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 decent. They're not like wow, great, mm-hmm. but they're good enough, you know. And uh, that one's pretty good. And there's another one called the Tank. I thought that one, this one was it was okay also as well. Uh, it's actually filmed in New Zealand, but New Zealand was doubling as Oregon. And there's a, a couple and their young daughter, and uh, the, the hus they have like a pet store, and the the wife is studying to become a ver- veterinarian and. A uh, lawyer comes by and is like, "Hey, your mom had this uh, patch of coast coastal land in in Oregon, you know. Why don't you go check it up, see if you want to, you know, whatever, sell it or live there and stuff." So they go up there. There's an old whaler shack. They move in. It's beautiful. It's like they have this awesome view of the ocean and such. And uh, there's a water tank. That's the tank. 
And uh, there's no like it, that's where they get their water. It's like a spring that comes up and feeds the house for all the water pressure and stuff like that. You know, and of course, there's uh, uh, from way down, you know, there's there's what happened to his mom and, and his dad or what happened. You know, there was uh, creatures that were released from deep in the earth. And that I don't want to give away anymore, but you know, three, just like, if you you know, got a couple hours to kill. Those three yeah. movies really good. And I, you know, of course, I saw The Killer, which I really enjoyed. Uh, yeah, I was a little disappointed with it yeah. uh, because of the last 30 minutes or so. Um but it's Fincher, you know, and yep. and and in fact, when it's and a Fassbender was excellent. Oh, he's always been one of my favorite so, actors since so I first good, saw man. him. I think in Inglorious Bastards, I think that was the first movie I saw him. Yeah, and but anything that Fincher does deserves a second or even third look, even if you don't particularly like it, because he's just such a fantastic filmmaker. And I almost blame yeah. myself if if. He, if Fincher is proud to put put this out, then I'm probably missing something here. So I'll, I'll watch it again. Uh, I love that guy's style of movie making. His movies oh, yeah. are great. I like The Killer. I thought it was yeah, really well I, done. I really liked it too, man. I just, uh, I'm dying to ask you guys what you thought of the ending, like why he did what he did at the end. But, mm -hmm. you know, I don't want to give away anything to the audience who haven't seen it yet, you know, but. Yeah, let's, get, let's wait a week and then we'll talk about it uh, yep. next week. I got one more for you then. Okay. I dug a movie out of the trenches that I hadn't watched since about 1992, mm -hmm. maybe 1993. Uh, so it was interesting to watch a movie like that, that I saw when I was very young, 12 ish, 13. And then now through the eyes of an old man at 43, but it's got my lady in it, Annabella Ciara. Uh, but I watched jungle fever for the first time in a really long time. Ooh. Oh man. It's been a long time for me on that one too. And it wasn't, I guess I retained so much of the prejudice on both sides about the, about the racial component of the interracial sex. Right. That's what I retained. But man, the scenes of Samuel L. Jackson are so well done. Like when, when the father kills him and the, the mom is crying as he dies in her arms, it's so well done and so realistic. And the acting is just so yeah. good. Uh, it's, it's so, and it's got so many good people in it that would show up in like Goodfellas or the Sopranos, you know, uh, as in Christopher, for example, was her brother and Michael Imperelli. How do you say his name? Imperoli? How, how do you say it? Uh, Imper Imperioli. Imperioli. Yeah. yeah. He was in it. And, uh, the guy that played her dad was, uh, one of the guys in, in the Sopranos. I can't think of his name. Like it wasn't Johnny Sack. It was the, his, his like guy underneath him. And he was in casino and Goodfellas. And I mean, so the really good cast. But I, I always enjoy movies like that set in the early 90s because, you know, not to get too deep here, but that's like before bad things happened in my life, like everyone I knew was like still alive and all these, you know, hopes and dreams you have as a kid. Like it kind of makes me feel the way the way I did in like 91 or something, even if it's for two hours. So those movies uh, sometimes have a special place because I remember how I felt at the time that I watched them. And again, just superior acting. Yeah. The Spike Lee movie. Really well done. Have you guys seen the uh, series Reacher? No, no, that's on based on the Jack out. Reacher. Uh, yeah, the Pre Preston and Child uh, novels. Yeah, uh, if you haven't seen it, man, it's really good, man. It's like Reacher is a—he's uh, so funny. 
It's like I've, I've he's wanted such a to smart see... ass too. The dialogue is killer. You're just like, yes. Yeah, because I, I, I've, I've seen like video shorts on YouTube where they'll yeah. show certain scenes. Yeah. Like, so there's this scene where he's in a jail cell. That's the best scene. And, too. and they got, uh, his, uh, his cellmate has glasses and a bunch yeah. of big, burly, badass motherfucking guys come in and they start talking shit to the. He to was the on the top bunk sleeping, you know? <laughs> yes. So he jumps off. Roughing up his cellmate. Yeah. Exactly. He like gets up, stands down. He's like six foot six. You know, they're like, yeah, that's right. They're like, who the hell is this tree? <laughs> and then Tom Cruise play, plays him, and he's 5'4", you know? Tom, Tom Cruise was <laughs> in right. the, yeah, did the, the movie movies, was... whatever, the couple movies, but they were yeah. just okay. I mean, the first one was okay with Cruise, but he's, like, so small. You know, Mr. Mayhem, yeah, the first one, and it's a good mystery, too, man. It's like, there's a love story, too, with Reacher and the, and the, uh, the lady cop and stuff, and you know, it's, it's excellent, man. I'm definitely gonna check it out. He's just, he's a badass. You just love. He kicks people's ass all over the place, man. It's great. Yeah. There's that great scene, that that fight scene, and yeah, the two uh, the fight killer. scenes in the jail. Yeah, but I, I'm referring now to the killer. Uh, that's yeah. one of the best fight yeah, scenes great I've fight seen scene in a long there. time. Yep. The wow, fight man. scene in the killer was uh, yeah, that's what you're talking about versus yeah. the uh, the big uh, New Zealand dude that played right. uh, in Lord of the Rings. He was the uh, he played the orcs and Sauron and all that stuff. The, yeah, the yeah. actor, the actor, he fought and he went into the guy's house. It's it's mm -hmm. interesting that you all were reacting to the fight scene because I thought the best great. part, the best part of the killer, I thought was how it was done with the two women. Mm -hmm. The one woman who's yeah. like, "Look, uh, I I know what my yeah. fate is. All I ask of you is to I can't disappear so yeah. my family gets my fa yeah." Yeah, and then her. and then the other lady is one of the ones that was excellent scene too. Yeah, and she knows what's going to happen i thought both of those i thought that was the best part of the movie the the two scenes with women he had he had he had some, some stones going in there and sitting across the table from her and stuff right in her favorite restaurant that was great she's like she had to, she had to get a flight of whiskey she was pissing her pants i bring my bring my bottle <laughs> you know you know uh, zach uh brings up a good point about david Fincher's movies, yeah. probably his most underrated one is the game starring uh, Michael Douglas. Great. That yeah. Is it Vigo Mortensen? No. Who's the no, no. Michael uh, Douglas? Is it Sean Penn? It's no, it's uh oh fuck. Let me see. Let me look I remember it. seeing it come on. I've never watched that one actually. Yeah, oh yeah. The game is killer, it, man. Yeah. Great twist. Yeah. I love seven. You know, and uh, it's Sean Penn. It's Sean Penn. Yeah, yeah I, I love his his uh, Zodiac was great. Zodiac Seven and Fight Club. Seven. He yep, did a Fight lot Club. of he did a lot of music videos before he was a director director. Fight too. Club is classic. Yeah, yeah and uh, Zodiac was great. Just fucking yep. great. Yeah, yeah. Did, He's one of my favorite filmmakers. What else has he done? I forget. He's seven. Good credit. Seven. Yeah, I know that. That's his breakout. Yeah, definitely. I think he did movie, uh, music videos before Seven. Yeah, he right? did. He did. Yeah. Um, the social network. Yeah, that's right. I didn't think that was that good. I liked it. I, I really did. I've seen it three or four times. Gone Girl with Ben Affleck. Gone that was pretty that good. Was, that was pretty good. Yeah. That was good. That, yeah. That scene where he's fucking his girlfriend in the, the sofa and her uh, her boobies are showing. That's that's a classic uh, yep. Hollywood feature naked scene. Put it up there with Jennifer yeah. Lawrence walking on the beach. <laughs> Yeah. Hey, uh, I saw a show. I may have talked about this before, but it's called uh, Love and Death with Elizabeth Olsen. Yeah, and... yeah, we, I watched it. Yeah. How would you think of that? I enjoyed it immensely. 
I thought it was fucking great. I want to play the trailer for you guys. Yeah. Is it All new right. or? No, yeah, it's it, been out two years, I think. Okay. It's, it's only about a year, I think, but it, it okay. was on HBO Max. Uh, yeah, I, I thought right when, right when they switched it to Max and not HBO Max is when it came out. Okay. Well, so here's the trailer. I have not seen this. This is really good. I thought you saw this too. Is it Oscar Isaac in this? No. I have done all the things. I like her though. She's so good. It's supposed to do the house, the meals. Where is the payback? True story. I'm very attracted to you. Oh, oh. Would you be interested in having an affair? Oh, I gotta watch this one. This is really good. You two just looked at each other like Jesse Plemons. He was in the new Scorsese film. just don't want anybody to get hurt <laughs> but somebody did i gotta see that. But somebody did i think yeah, i didn't even know about it yeah the, the fact that it's based on a true story we can we can share what happens right dan yeah well uh the she's an american horror story a lot i can't think of her name i can see her in my it was playing the his wife yeah uh, uh, libby libby something uh, Libby Ray, what was her name? Uh, she's in, like I said, a lot of American Horror Story seasons. Love and Death, hold on, the cast. Yeah, but go ahead. Uh, Lily Rabe. Okay, I knew it was something like that. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, you know, there's obviously a confrontation with a knife, and then somebody dies, and 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 then what? You know, and then. The Olsen girl goes just to live her life like nothing, no big deal. She's, but I don't know what I should do, but I'm just going to try to be chill. And of course, uh, events uh, lead back to her and quickly she's on trial. So, yeah, let, let me give a little more context. Uh, so these two women are really good friends in a very conservative community. And one of them is like super horny. Her husband's not getting it done. And so she <laughs> approaches the Jesse Plemons character, who is the fucking most boring computer science scientist nerd. But uh, one day they're playing uh, volleyball and she gets a whiff of him. And she's like, gets turned on all of a sudden. Holy shit, this guy smells like a man. And so that's when she approaches him and says, I want to have huh? sex. Right. So they have sex in a hotel room for, I don't know, maybe a year, two years or so forth. And the wife of Jesse Plymouth starts to suspect that something's going on. And so one day they are, uh, they, they are at the home of the woman who's being cheated on. And that's when an ax is brought into the picture. And then we have to find out whether she really, you know, the trial happens. What really happened in this room? You know, she had an ax. Did 
did someone else come in? Did she really kill this person? Why? What, what was the motivation? Was she goaded into a fight by this woman? So it becomes a little bit of a mystery. Um, and from one, some of my readings based on a true story, it's fairly true. There were some things that were exaggerated characters, you know, molded into one and stuff. But it's definitely good uh, TV. It's on HBO Max. I highly recommend it. Yeah, I, I haven't watched it in about a year, so it was hard for me to be more specific. But I, I liked it a lot. Uh, and like I said, that guy, that actor is in Scorsese's new film, the one with DiCaprio and De Niro. Clemens. It's amazing. Clemens. I yep. first saw that kid on, on the TV show, Friday Night Lights. He had a role on there. And then, uh, you know, I, I thought to myself, that whole entire cast, I thought to myself, I wonder if these guys are all like local uh, Texas people, but they, they weren't. And so many of them have grown on to great careers. Jesse Plemons has been in a number of Scorsese films now. Uh, uh, Michael B. Jordan, I think it's his, the middle initial B. Jordan. He's, he's a yeah. uh, uh, Rocky's Creed. Uh, Creed. There you go. Creed, yeah. Which the first one I saw, oh, it was fantastic. Oh, They're all pretty good, yeah. All the movies. I gotta good. watch the other two. That yeah. one scene where he's beating the shit out of somebody—it's uh, the very first scene in Creed—and he beat, he, he knocks the guy out, and before he's even counted counted out, he's taking the tape off from his gloves with his teeth. <laughs> and I'm, I'm thinking to myself, oh, that's a fucking nice touch. That is a nice I fucking can, touch. I could comment. I think I said this. A couple of years ago when we talked about it, there was one scene in particular I was very disappointed in in Creed 2. Okay, it, it, I haven't seen it yet. The Dolph Lundgren is in Creed 2 playing right. Drago from Rocky because 4. He, he's got a son who's a boxer too, right? A nephew, son, right. or his son, yeah. But they, they missed a tremendous opportunity. All of a sudden in Creed 2, Drago is in Rocky's restaurant. Mm-hmm. So these two guys haven't looked at each other since Moscow at the end of Rocky four. So to me, that's a, a tremendous opportunity where you could show, uh, again, Drago's characters, an older man now like Stallone, you could mm-hmm. show yeah. maturity and growth and he could tell Rocky like, Hey, I'm so sorry about Apollo. You know, I was a kid. I was, you know, sucked into cold war politics and, uh, and uh, this has bothered me for 30 years. And I'm so sorry that I said, if he dies, he dies and all this, but they don't, they, they have senseless dialogue that shows no progression for Drago's character. Cause Rocky has to keep yeah. everybody down. Everyone's less than Rocky, like even Creed, it couldn't have been Creed's own son. It had to be Creed's son out of a wet, out of wedlock. Yeah. You know, everyone's less than Balboa in all these films. Like he's the only one that didn't cheat, you know, that kind of shit. Yeah. Interesting yeah, thing. and wasn't like Dolph Lund- or Drago character. He was like poor and stuff, you know. As yeah, because the Soviet Union, right. the Soviet Union basically turned their back on him because he was a national disgrace because he yeah. lost to Rocky. So yeah. he he had no. He was a man without a country after that. So they could have easily had shown some growth from his character and some remorse, and would have been a good scene. But they just forego that because. You know, Stallone always has to have his character with the superiority. Uh, J2K. Don't get me wrong. I like Stallone. I'm just saying, like, you know, like why, why is uh, Apollo's son have to be the wedlock son? Why can't it just be the son he had? Yeah, I know Stallone is kind of the, the old-fashioned movie star who wants to always project a certain image, you know. I mean, the outside of Copland, uh, where he played kind of a dopey uh, small town cop yeah. who you know who was bungling this uh, 
crime ring that was happening in, in a small community where all these cops have lived in. Have you guys ever seen the movie? Oh yeah, I saw it when I saw it at the theater. Yeah, I, outside of that, I can't think of another movie where he wasn't playing, you know, a, a role that's manufactured for a big movie star. Maybe there's well, a couple. I don't know. Well, my point was to say, like, even like, let's look at Rocky Two. I'm sure you're familiar with Rocky Two, right? Mm -hmm. Remember it well. I yep. thought it was really well done to give Apollo the reason to make Apollo want to beat him despite being up on points. Because mm -hmm. earlier in the film, they're saying that like his sons are his kids are getting taunted in school and saying that your dad's a fraud and all this. So it gave I mean, he was a family man, too. And they mm -hmm. showed that. And that's part of his motivation. He feels like you can understand Carl Weathers' perspective, the reason mm -hmm. that he has to have this fight, the reason he's willing to be the bad guy. Because he has to show his kids, like, your dad is actually the fucking champ. And, and again, they're being mocked in school. So showing that side of it and having empathy for the other side is what they didn't do in Creed 2. Where you can't really see until the end, and I don't want to ruin it for you if you haven't seen it. They give Drago something at the end, which is corny. But you see that, oh, he's a loving father. Right. But they just such a missed opportunity. These two big characters yeah. meeting for the first time since their fight in Rocky four, it could have been a great scene. It's like, if you saw this, you did see this, the sequel, the shining, right? Yes. Yeah, Dr. Sleep. Right. Right. So at the, in the, yeah, in the great. unrated version, the director's cut, the conversation with Danny and Jack at the overlook is you get like 10 more minutes in it. And it's so well done. Cause you get so much more context. And then he finally admits he knows that Danny's his son and he's not just bullshitting saying he's the, the, the overlook, uh, the, you know, bartender, the, mm -hmm. the, that kind of scene gives you catharsis, which is what I wanted with Rocky and, and Drago. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. J2K has a recommendation. He says he want to see an amazing show. Catla is an epic. It has subtitles and takes place in Iceland, but it's one of the best shows I've ever seen. I've got the uh, teaser trailer. It's only 60 yeah. seconds. I got it queued up. Let's take a look at it yeah. and uh, and then make fun Sounds of good. J2K's suggestion. I don't know what you love. I don't know what you love. I don't know what you love. I don't know love it already <laughs> i love the visuals yeah i started watching this i hadn't finished it though oh you did yeah pretty good it was pretty good i mean i just it's a little out there, but it's good. Well, I you know, I, I was going to ask, but... I was going to ask you guys, do you guys, you know, usually stay away from subtitled pictures? No, eh, sometimes, sometimes it depends. I got captions on subtitles, everything. I'm fucking deaf. I'm old. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. You and I. <laughs> hey, you know, what's coming out in two months and get your restraining orders ready because uh, John Hinckley's a free man. And True Detective Season 4 with Jodie Foster coming in oh, January. Wow. Right, nice. Is John Hinckley going to become obsessed with her again? Yeah, probably will. She has will. done a ton of a lot of movies, you know, does she? Uh, 
Uh, not lately. I mean, she's been directing some, but uh, she doesn't act as frequently. But she has yeah. made a few movies over the last few years. Yeah, she was in that Matt Damon movie, Elysium, as like the president. Yeah, that's right. That's yeah, right. Good, but um, but you know, Hinckley shot Reagan to impress her. At least that's yeah, what he yeah. thought he was doing. Yep. So I mean, and he's a free guy. That just let him back out. I mean. Far be it for me to take up for the GOP here because I'm not a Reagan fan, but I don't think this guy should be out. I mean, I, I agree. What's the deal with Sirhan Sirhan? Sirhan, Sirhan, you're fucking locked up forever, bro. But uh, Hinkley, we're going to let you out. Sirhan has said so many times, if I did it, I deserve to be killed, but has no memory of it at all. And it's that fucking program that I don't want to sign a conspiracy theorist. The CIA admitted under oath that they gave people a bunch of fucking LSD and, and deprived them of sleep and it's almost like, did you see the naked gun with OJ, right? Yeah. At, the, at the very end of it, they try to brainwash Reggie Jackson into killing. I yeah, must true. kill Frank Drebin. That's the <laughs> idea of what the CIA admitted under oath that they were doing <laughs> to <laughs> people, but they were doing that to try to get killers without a conscience. And uh, they admitted that that program was in existence when uh, Sirhan was a young man at that time. And if you don't know your RFK history, the the guy that did the the autopsy who had been doing that for the city of Los Angeles for like 30 years said that he was shot from behind at the ear, which is opposite of where Sirhan was standing. So what did they do? They discredited him and said he was old and didn't know what he was talking about and forced him out of his job and just said, because they didn't like the, the, his his results of the autopsy because it had to be Sirhan who was the, the, the guilty person here. That is cool. I don't want to be a conspiracy theorist. I'm just telling you what happened. I never heard that theory. Oh, it's not a theory. It's like it's what happened, and uh, all the the uh, the FBI took because there were shells in the walls and all the, all these different places where the the gunfire went in that kitchen. Mm -hmm. All that disappeared. The LAPD said they threw it away for space. Ooh. for space because that's the one thing. If you're like, okay, we need to get rid of some things. How about uh, the former president's brother's murder? That's the shit we should throw away. Yeah, it's just taking up too much fucking room. Aldo no, was, no, uh, no. What about what about those magazines, those old look in life magazines? No, the president stuff. The, the, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I swear to you, that's the, the, the autopsy came back that he was shot from behind at point blank range behind the ear. That was the ruling of the autopsy. That's what killed him. And Sirhan was standing in front of him. That was a great Aldo time was like nine or ten years old there. I know you know how I know that is because my mom was pregnant in the hospital with me the night that happened. Sirhan, Sirhan. <laughs> that's exactly oh, wow. right. I remember, I remember watching television the day Jack Ruby shot Lee Harvey Oswald. I remember seeing that live. Awesome. Wow. So I was like four or five years old at the time. Damn. And my, my grandmother was, was had been up. crying for 72 hours. She was stomping her feet and saying, Mataron el presidente católico. They murdered the Catholic president because we have pictures of him up on our walls in our apartment. You know, New York. So, did, did you all grow up Catholic then? Yes. Yes. Okay. Very cool. Much so. yeah, okay. Yeah, I used to get my ass beat by the nuns all the time. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, the Robert Kennedy thing and the Marshall uh, uh, Martin Luther King assassinations. I was watching TV, breaking news from ABC News. And so saw those bulletins as well. Were you so, watching Monday Night Football when Cosell broke the John Lennon news? I sure was. I sure was. Um, remember that? Like I, think it was, I was, last was too. Year. That would yeah. be 1980, right? Uh, so yes, it, it was 1980. So I was 12. A little bit before yeah. I was born. 
Okay. I was born later that year, but it's, or maybe yeah. I was just born when that happened. Maybe mm-hmm. I was a baby baby and that happened. But uh, yeah, I, I, I missed out on those. I did watch the Challenger live and I yeah. was watching the World Series with the Giants and A's when the earthquake hit live, mm-hmm. which was yeah. an incredible moment, you know. And I saw so Michael saying, We're having an earthquake. And the picture mm-hmm. goes out like, Wow. Yeah. I haven't seen it, uh, J2K. I will check it out, though. John Ken is what? Uh, Tell us quickly and then yeah, we'll close the show. Yeah. Oh, so I thought John maybe Ken, that's, that's bad head question. from a woman. There's no bad head from a meth addict. <laughs> have, uh, have either of you guys been to New Orleans? No. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. I have not been, but it's on my bucket list. I'm like, like I said, I don't if I told you my company is giving us that week between uh, Christmas and New Year's off for the entire company. Mm-hmm. And I was telling my wife, we should drive down to New Orleans, man. I've been there. The food's great. Go Bourbon Street, French Quarter. You know, uh, you know the other Dan's going to New Orleans next week. Okay. I, would, I told uh, him, why, why didn't you go when the Bears there. were there? Yeah, that would have been ideal. We go see the uh, Bears Saints game. But uh, yeah, I would really always wanted to go. So my wife and I would think about taking a drive, be a two day drive, eight, eight hours, eight hours, you know. So it's, uh, it's a great place to party. Um, I've gone twice and you know, I don't remember what I did because I was, got so yeah. <laughs> I'd be going for food, man, for sure. Yeah. There you go. You that's know, gumbo, jambalaya, you know. that Southern climate like that is real hard on me. The humidity and oh, stuff. Yeah. Like, I don't I know if it. I want to go down there. It's so hot. My mm. least favorite climate is humid. All right, guys, I know, Dan, you got to leave, but real quick, this is a 60-second trailer of John Kidd. Uh, mm. J2K wanted us to take a look at it. All right. I think it's this is the right one. <clears throat> Whoa. 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 <laughs> this looks like Land of the Lost from the 70s. <laughs> looks like a student movie. Oh, I see this. They've re uh, produced, re uh, re uh, edited, remastered. Yeah, yeah. Wow, looks kind of cool. Damn Hi. <laughs> oh, I gotta see this. Yeah, it reminds me of another movie. Jungle hit. So the uh, premise is is that uh, humanity. Let, let me get rid of that. Humanity has lost lost its uh, ability to recreate, uh, reproduce, and so somebody sends somebody into the underground to find out what these robots have done to. Wow, that sounds cool. Yeah, yes. it, it reminds me. It's like that weird stop motion creepiness. There's a, a, another movie, a 1993 movie called The Secret Adventures of Tom Thumb. That's all. It's haunted me since 1993. And uh, it's like a, a boy born the size of a doll is kidnapped by a genetic lab and, for, and must find a way back to his father in stop motion <laughs> animation. It is, it's, it's like, you know, it's like as trippy as Eraserhead. I'm sure Dan has seen Eraserhead. Oh. I tried to watch Eraserhead, couldn't get into it. Even though I like David Lynch, I just yeah, couldn't, David I Lynch, couldn't get uh, into it. Eraserhead creepiness with the weird. Uh, what do you do, Dan? Uh, and I'll ask you too, as well. How, how much time do you give a movie? 
usually if I'm watching it, I want to watch it. I mean, it's yeah. got to be pretty dull for me just to not like it. Yeah. Like I hated that one that just won best picture, but I watched it all the way through and I just thought it was dreadful. That one this year, the, what was it? The Japanese film that Jamie Lee Curtis oh, hated it. Uh, everything, everywhere, everything, everywhere, all the fucking once or whatever. Everything I thought it was terrible, but I watched it. I made it through it. I, I didn't watch all of Eraser. I, I think I was at work when I was trying to watch it, and I just was like, fuck it, I'll watch this some other time. I can't get into it. Did you it find uh, Secret Adventures of Tom Thumb? It is, I didn't creepy. see that. It's creepy and as fuck. I, I tried to watch that Dune or whatever from 84, that because you told yeah. me to watch it, and I David hated Lynch. what I, yep. what I saw of that. I hated, too. I couldn't get into the it. The new one is way better, Dennis Villeneuve. But guys, I got to go. I'm sorry. Yep. I got I to gotta work 16 hours over there, so it's 20 total. And Aldo... Uh, Keep uh, getting better for us. And go Bears on Sunday, guys. Go Bears. Right. Don't sleep on the Bears. I won't. <laughs> Not after that speech you made. I, uh, <laughs> Take care, brother. All right, I saw man. that. Saw that. So I buy Danny. I saw that Secret Adventures of Tom Thumb. I was. I had a. I had a coworker named Brian Rudin who was like a really trippy dude. He was an artist who used to paint these giant like paintings and stuff all these trippy paintings and stuff and me and another dude went and he was like yeah come on over for the weekend i'm have a little party and stuff you know and uh you could crash over we had this he rented this giant loft in pilsen and uh uh it was like his his place was like massive it was that pod majerski uh who owned a lot of properties that had rented uh a loft to uh my friend and uh we were like really high and drunk and stuff and uh He's like, yeah, watch, watch this movie, man. It's like, put he put this movie in. It was like freaked me out ever since 1993. I uh, I have a 30 second trailer. I'm trying to queue up. It is so wild, man. I just from the uh, still pictures that I'm seeing, it it looks very wild. It's like uh, that uh, junkhead. Yeah, <laughs> I was gonna say it looks like I, a junkhead. I, I thought it was junkhead yeah. when I saw the the yeah. uh, thumbnail. All right, here it comes. Stand by. Make sure J2K is going to love this, probably. <laughs> audio is bad. Well, let's look at the yeah. visuals. Animated version of a classic tale. Tom Thumb. But this time, it's the top <laughs> and 90s. Abducted by oh, I love the visuals. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy, man. <laughs> look at that. How cool is that? The secret adventures of Tom Thumb. Half an hour. Oh, starting on the BBC, a little yeah. teaser trailer. So it's BBC then, yeah. Yeah. I'll definitely <laughs> look for that. That looks like a lot of fun. All right, uh, Tush, before we close the show, what do you want? You got any advice for us on gambling or tell us where to go to get advice? Uh, you know, watch uh, weekend sports betting tips on the Barroom Network with uh, Anthony and Sean and I, and I always have Friday, good, 7 p.m. Central. Yep. Always have some good uh, 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 tips. I'm killing it in college basketball. I think I was like, you do every year. Yeah. I'll, I'll be uh, a five and three today in college basketball. Not bad. A couple, couple teams folded in the second half, but mm -hmm. we'll see. Looks all right. Uh, and then uh, hockey. Let's see. I got the Panthers versus the Sharks right now, but, yeah, college basketball went pretty good. Five five wins already. My two top plays were Chattanooga and the under in uh, uh, Virginia, North Carolina, A&T. Those both hit. So UMass Lowell was another top pick. So my my three top picks today all hit. But nice. I, so, I, it's hard, the hardest thing is like paring my card down. I want to like I 
it's like, I love all these plays. I end up with like giving out like, you know, eight to 10 plays. And that's way mm-hmm. too many. You should be yeah. giving out four to five, you right. know, but it's like sometimes, you know, there's the volume is good too. You know, people like volume and you got a better chance of winning and stuff. But mm-hmm. uh, it's hard when you have, uh, like right now we're in this part of the season. We got NBA, you got NHL, you got college football, you got NFL, you got college basketball and soccer. There's like seven sports to choose from. And you're like, you know, once once some of these end, you know, the football and it'll be more I'll be able to focus more on college basketball. But yeah, so far I've got a got a decent feel on college basketball. What do you think uh about the Bears and Lions? I think the last time I saw it, it was eight and a half, nine points, the yeah. Lions giving the Bears. What do you think? You know, if it gets ten and a half, I kinda like the Bears. But I mean, uh, I, it's kind of a stay away for me because of that forty-one to ten game. You know, it's like that's a thirty-one point win for the. I, I forget what the. I mean, they kind of pounded the. They kind of pounded the Chargers. I don't know. I don't remember what the score was. Forty-one thirty-eight. Lions 41, beat the Chargers. Just beat them by. Yeah, that's right. I had Chargers plus three, and it was a push. Yeah, uh, but. See, yeah. I, I, I got I got a bad feeling. If I'm going to bet on that game, I'm betting on the Lions to cover it. I just have a bad feeling that the Bears are going to get embarrassed again. I hope. I hope. Yeah. I'm pleasantly surprised. And um, See, Bears if I bet against up. the Bears, they'll win. They punish me. Yeah. <laughs> they punish me for betting against them most of the time. It's like same thing with the Cubs. I was like, I couldn't bet the Cubs. Then after a while, but like every time Justin Steele started, I would – I would uh, bet with Justin Steele, and I did pretty good, you know. But uh, same thing with Marquette. I thought Marquette would lose at Illinois. They end up winning outright as a dog. Mm-hmm. My alma mater, you know, they punished me. I even said uh, I was on Higgs. I mean, I was in the chat room on Higgs show today, and I was like, mm-hmm. ah, Marquette, I want to bet. I want to. I want. I like the Illinois because Tyler Tyler Kolek has an ankle injury. He's like Marquette's point guard, and mm-hmm. uh, uh, I can't. I can't. You know, if I bet against them, they'll win. You know, but, you know, they'll punish me for for being a traitor. You know, Same with <laughs> uh, of course, yeah. Same. Well, with go ahead, players. go ahead and give a, a plug for uh, Higgs's show. What when is it on yep. Monday nights? Yeah, it's called uh, Winning Free Picks. No, he does it every day. The guy's every crazy. day. Yeah, he's oh, a madman. Wow. He's a total uh, madman. I think it's geez. called Winning Winning Free Picks, and it's uh, yeah, and uh, good I, guy. I did have some some good uh, yeah picks is hilarious, winning free picks. Uh, it's every day at eleven a.m. on YouTube. On his, mm-hmm. yeah, it's also available on picks and parlays and like Vegas Insider stuff like that. He cool. He does he does videos for all that stuff and uh, uh, yeah. I had uh, like my wife and I want to do that. And uh, my wife uh, had a, a classmate who's a realtor in uh, in her hometown, Philippines, and. Uh, she, my wife had reached out to her and said, Hey, my husband and I like this one area. It's, I liked it when I went there last time. It was called Lapata Hills. And it's like, it's hilly and everything has a nice view of the ocean. It's like a peninsula, you know? And, uh, mm-hmm. nice. she, uh, she had her brother go and look at some this land that they're selling at like 250 square meters, about 10,000 bucks, you know? And, uh, nice. I was like, uh, getting ready to. You know, purchase. Uh, it's 120 meters from the beach, mm-hmm. and then it's up a little bit on a on a little hill, so I'll be able to see the ocean like every yeah. night. But it's sunrise, not sunset. And then off to the right of the city lights. Mm-hmm. You know, so every night when I have to make it through the 2020s alive. If I get to 2030, you know, <laughs> that'd be that's my retirement year. Oh, I love it, man! You know, so then uh, uh, build the house. 
Mm-hmm. And uh, I want to, I told my wife, I want for like five bedrooms. That way, if we have people come visit, they can stay. I'll have a place to stay. I'll know, be there. Get, guest room, you know, come and do some island hopping and fishing. Wow. Barbecue, beers. Man, this yeah, guy's so. got retirement planned out to the T. I'm just I I'm, I'm be a, alive. Yeah, if I'm, if I'm alive, <laughs> I know. And I'll be 62, <laughs> although you'll be 72. But I think you can still make the trip. It's, it's yeah, I can, I can make it, you know, yeah. like, being a wheelchair and a fucking breathing machine. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, uh, Donna would love it, man. Oh, I'm God. sure she would. I'm it's sure the same, she would. It's the same climate as uh, as Hawaii. So she was just in Hawaii, right? Yeah. She yeah, was how did her Hawaii. trip go? She liked it. Uh, uh, she had a she, blast. Huh? She had a good time. 13 yep. days, you know, Damn, worked really hard. Get, a, get some color. No, no. first 10 days. or uh, Out of those 13 days, 10 days she's in a hotel. That's how it was for room. me. Yeah. yeah, that's how it was for me. When I, I worked the three years, I was always in the fucking conference room working on the computer, you know, and then, you right. know, by the, by the time I'm done, it's three in the morning. Yeah, exactly. You know? So she got I, three days to see yeah. some of the island. There were a couple of days a- in afterward between. Or before. Okay, so a- afterward, I always stayed three days after. Yes, like, that's the way to do it. Did some that's the way to do it. Stuff. Yeah. I love Hawaii, man. I, that's yeah. where I got in love with island lifestyle, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I wish I could live. I was trying so hard to see how I could make it work in Hawaii, you know, some somehow on a big island or on Maui, you know, I know it's too expensive. Yeah. You can't, you can never own the land. Right. Uh, how, how much, much you build a house in the Philippines? About 80 to a hundred thousand. It's not bad. Yeah, they just pour concrete and stuff because of the typhoons, you know? Right. It's just and like a flat block, you know, like maybe we'll have some modern style to it, but a hundred grand for that four or five bedroom home. Yep. And uh, about 10 grand for the land. So that's not bad. Yeah, I don't know. I know. Yeah, I was watching the, my her brother took video and stuff, and I mean, it it's uh, that area they're starting to develop because I I had sent my wife uh, a, a website of they already had the lots, mm-hmm. you know, and, and the electricity and water and and you know I, I didn't know we could never find out how much it was, and mm-hmm. uh, the other uh, she sent you know it's not developed yet but it will be in about. Like by the time I retire, it'll be like three, four, five times as much as what I, I would pay for it now, you know. Mm-hmm. And eventually, uh, yeah, it's it's waterfront cliff or beachfront, you know, almost beachfront. So, love it. Got to get cliff down there. Yeah, and if anybody's welcome, man, I'll host anybody to take them around. I mean, there's a three-hour ferry to Shargao, which is like the surfing capital of the Philippines. It's like mm-hmm. unspoiled beaches, white sand, beautiful water, turquoise. You know, it got waterfalls. You can go up river to some like crystal clear pools and stuff. There's mm. a there's an inland lagoon like hidden in the middle with like a nice. They have like a a, a pavilion where you can jump out in the water, diving boards and stuff. A little Sweet. cafe inside there. Yeah, it's, you take you take a boat in through the uh, through the mangrove forest mm-hmm. and fucking get in there. It's like turquoise water, beautiful temperature. You can see to the bottom and stuff too. It's beautiful. Would you consider moving down to Florida? Uh, I, I would, I, I, I love Florida, man, but you know, it, it does get humid and stuff and it's getting crowded and it's getting expensive. That's yeah. the thing. I mean, so I, I go to the Philippines, it's like 50%, 40% the cost of Florida, you know, mm-hmm. like, uh, everybody speaks English there anyways. Like most of the people. Philippines. Is your wife still a citizen of, of the Philippines? That's a good question. Although I was, <laughs> it's like, uh, I think, uh, I don't know if she let her. She, I know her, her passport's lapsed, 
Okay. And I think she has to reapply or like reaffirm or something like that because she mm-hmm. she became a citizen of the United Kingdom when she was working there. Okay. Know, which is where we met and stuff. And then uh, 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 now she's got a green card here and she wants to get citizenship here, mm-hmm. you know. And then uh, uh, the uh, uh, Philippines, you have to have the, all the citizenship too. I mean, it's not, shouldn't be a problem since she was born there. Yeah. And then uh, to buy land, you have to be a citizen. So I'll never be able to own land. You know, I could own the building or own a business or whatever, but uh, you can't own, they don't use the dollar there, Zach. They use the Philippine peso. There's like 58 or 60 of them to a dollar. Okay. So Great too. It's re- like, sometimes like, like I got a, I got a bottle. One time I was there, I got a bottle of ice cold seven up, you know, the green bottle, like frosty. It was 35 pesos. So less than a dollar for, for oh, a nice, a nice uh, uh, sick, what are they like? They're like 18 ounce bottles. Yeah. They used to come in like an eight pack when we were kids. You get an eight pack of those skinny pop bottles. Remember those? Yeah, sure do. I mean, you, oh, return, yeah. you return them for like the deposit back at the uh-huh. at the pool. Two cents. <laughs> yeah, you get your deposit back. I used to have to sort the. I used to have to sort the. I worked at Jewel. I used to have to. I worked in the bottle shed. It was like, mm-hmm. it was like, yeah, you're working in the bottle shed. So you'd be like, oh man, really? The fucking bottle shed. It sucks, man. You go back in and you're sorting bottles. There's fucking bees everywhere, man. Fucking, you know, because they're attracted to the leftover pop and stuff. Yeah, right. I need, I need, I need two more orange crush. I complete this eight pack. It's like Tetris. (laughs) You know, (laughs) like back then we had like uh, bottles like Bubble Up. I remember Bubble Up. It was like Seven Up. Oh yes, absolutely. Bubble Up, Green River. That was another one. Twice the amount of sugar. Yeah, Tab. (laughs) Remember Tab? There was a soft drink called Tab and Fresca. (laughs) Fresca. And you, there's so many new brands now, uh, but yeah, yeah, those old brands, uh, oh, man, I don't think classic. they're around anymore. Tab, yeah. I don't think you find a tab no, anymore. I don't think so either. Tab. That was a very popular soft drink, Bubble, too. Bubble up is gone, right? Mm-hmm. Foster says he's got two 16 ounce Pepsi bottles. Yeah, those are the ones, man. They're like tall and thin, skinny. Mm-hmm. You ice those down, put them in the freezer for a little bit. Mm-hmm. You know, get ice on them. Yeah, but I mean, it's so hot in the Philippines, man. They have that. Uh, the beer in the Philippines is really good, although it's like yeah, I've heard. I have one called San Miguel. It's like the pale pilsner. It's a pilsner. It's like, it's like it's like Corona, but it's like a little sweeter, a little smoother. It's like mm-hmm. you just—it's so hot, you're just like drinking it like water. And then they have another one called Red Horse, which is like uh, it's stronger though. I'm not—I'm not a fan. I like the the pale pill because it's like so refreshing. You're just like slamming them, you know. It's like a uh, mm-hmm. session session ale. But yeah, it's, it's a little hot, man. When I was there the first time, I was like taking three showers a day because I sweat like a pig. Yeah, see, that's how I am too. So I'd be sweating yeah. four or five times a day. Yep. Foster says you can still find tabs at the Jewel. So if you want that one calorie sugar free drink, wow. Tabs <laughs> still around, man. I remember uh, that when I was a kid. But yeah, I used to go go in there and uh, uh, there, was, there was this dude named Dave Zavoznik. He was like what we, like a metalhead burnout, you'd call like for the guys like the. I, I don't know. Did you call them burnouts too? They were like the metal dudes, leather jackets and stuff. They go out oh, yeah. at lunch, go out lunchtime at high school and have a cigarette and stuff, yeah. smoking. They like always working on their cars and stuff. Yeah, mm-hmm. his name was Dave Zabosnik. He was really he was really cool. I used to work with him at Balshed. He was like he would always bring these like his boombox with like metal cassettes and stuff. And he was like he was into this band called Man of War. And they had this one song I forget the name of it, but it was like. Uh, 
the words were like, ah, oh, burning, death, destruction, raping the daughters and wives. You know, he would like sing it all the time. I was like, this dude's fucking crazy. I hope he doesn't kill me. You know, <laughs> <laughs> he was like a really big dude too. He was like tall and thick, you know. Uh huh. I'm glad he liked me, you know, for whatever reason. Like, yeah, anybody that's bigger yeah. and stronger than you, you want to be yeah. friends with. Yeah, I was friends with them, so. <laughs> All right, it is time to pull the plug on this episode of yeah. Better Than with Johnny Santucci and Dan Aguirre. My name is Aldo yeah, Gandia. Just a quick programming note, tomorrow night it's Buffon 55 at 7.30. Before that, at 6 o'clock, and it's the Mac and Reed Show. And then uh, I believe Bardon Hockey uh, is at 2 p.m. So we've got three mm. fresh shows for you tomorrow. I want to be on the Johnny Buffone show sometime. Yeah, we'll have you on. I've Absolutely. Never been on before. I, I got influence. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you gotta uh, watch, you gotta watch Reacher. You and Donna would love it. Yeah, definitely gonna check that out. And uh, there was one other that you recommended. Uh, and then I'm definitely gonna check out the J2K uh, Iceland. Yeah, that looks Reacher. good. That looks yeah. really good. I might even I check out the one, but... Tom Thumb one. Um, yeah, it's wild. I gotta see if I can find it somewhere. Yeah, I, I think it's on YouTube because when Is I was it... searching for the trailer on YouTube, I saw uh, Adventures of Tom Thumb full series. So it oh, might wow. be on there. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, lots of good stuff to watch. And so if yeah. the Bears lose, that's what I'll be doing. <laughs> Catching up on some of these TV shows and movies. But if the Bears win, I'll be watching, looking at tape. Yeah, Sunday. Ready for the next episode. So again, uh, let people know what's going on here at the bar room. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. It's the best way to stay uh, alerted as to when we go live. Johnny Santucci, you're the best. Great Bears state of affairs today. And we'll talk to all of you later. Adios. I think I got an ending here. There it is.